0: I want to go to there. Skype! I saw
1: it in the window and I just couldn't resist it. Francie doesn't like coffee and ice cream. Hi, for those of you who just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person.
0: Are we having fun yet? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> 30 Helens agree. Never mind. Maybe the dingo ate your baby, huh? It's kind actually. Would you believe it? And you beautiful tropical fish. Don't mention the war. Clear
1: eyes, but hearts keep worse. Hello and welcome to the Televerse on Sights TV podcast. This is Kate Kalsuk and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going?
2: Well, it's the most wonderful time of the year, so I guess I'm
1: great. <laughs> uh, see, in the meanwhile, I've managed to get sick again. So this is what happens. I don't know how you do it. Well, I think not sleeping is a big part of it, not getting anywhere near enough sleep because of all the end-of-year craziness. Uh, When people hear this, hopefully I've started my Christmas shopping, because right now I haven't. (laughs)
2: Uh, Yeah, that's that's no good. Why don't you just do it all online, like regular modern folk?
1: Oh, I plan to. I plan to take very extreme advantage of Amazon Prime's uh, two-day shipping, otherwise I'm just totally screwed. But, uh, but yeah, so it's, oh, that, 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 I want to explain the timbre of my voice that y'all will be hearing for what I assume will be uh, another freakishly long end of your podcast. That's right, guys. It is time for our top 10 shows of 2014, but we're expanding it out this year a little bit, uh, Simon. Why, why is that?
2: Uh, because there's too many shows. I mean, uh. Too
1: many shows, too many shows.
2: Too many shows! Um. I mean, there were 95 shows on the Sound On Sight poll that got votes. I mean, admittedly, one of them was Jeopardy, but uh, I like and Jeopardy. there were more. I like Jeopardy. I'm, I'm not trying to front on <laughs> Jeopardy, uh, but you know, it's Jeopardy. Um, and there were more than that that probably could have made it in that didn't even get considered. So yeah, there's a lot. Just for, just I, I'm I know it's I know it's early days, but I'm still trying to. What What do you think the number will be next year?
1: I have no idea. And I don't really want to know, because then I'll just get, you know, I'll be huddled in a corner crying. Uh, (laughs) January is daunting enough. uh, So let's, I'm just going to focus on that for now.
2: Ah, yeah. January is going to be cray.
1: Yeah. Uh, You've you've mentioned this before on the podcast, and I think you're absolutely right. With this much good TV out there, a top 10 list at a certain point just gets really uh, limiting. And we should stop doing them. So this year we're going to we're gonna spend more time on our top 10, but then we're going to go through and spend a little bit of time on our 20 through 10 as well, because there's just too many shows to, to have a top 10 not be incredibly exclusionary. And this is something that I think we've been seeing. I know that we've talked about this. A lot of critics seem to have a, a bit of a consensus on about seven shows. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah. And then that's where things start changing up. So for us, I know we have seven in common, and then the other three are, are different. And then the, when you go into the top 20, that's where you see more overlap uh, as well. But, uh, but yeah, so we, that's why we're doing a different approach this year. Yeah, I, I find that it's, it's a
2: universal thing. Whenever you have any sort of consensus list, the back half is always more interesting than the front half. That goes for music lists. That goes for film lists. Uh, that's where you find all the good stuff
1: yeah so uh anyways we're going to going to be taking that uh approach this year let's kick things off though because i know we're going to want to talk about each of these shows for way too long
0: I had the feeling that something was missing. I don't know what, but when it was all over, I said to myself Is that all there is to the circus? Is that all there is?
1: First, we're going to start by looking at the shows that we have that are are different from each other, Uh, so where we didn't overlap. So, Simon, where is your lowest ranked out of your 10 show that we do not agree on?
2: Uh, my lowest ranked one that is uh, only to me on the top ten is my number ten, and that's HBO's The Leftovers, which, okay, th- while it was airing, I definitely did my fair share of bitching about The Leftovers, and it's kind of unfair that it's in my top ten, because it definitely has at least, of its ten episodes, fully three that just don't actually work at all, um, including its Christmas episode, which is... How do you bungle your Christmas episode in your first season and uh, still get in my top 10? And uh, I'm going to try not to drone on about this too much, but my major criteria for inclusion on a top 10 or a top 20 is uh, how much is it still resonating with me at the end of the year, especially if it's something that aired six months ago like Leftovers did. And I think the reason Leftovers deserves to be included is because, A, its highs were ridiculously high. I mean, we all know there's... There's a universal consensus on what the best episodes were, and there's a reason. Uh, It gave us some of the most interesting performances of the year. Uh, Its willingness to dive into the mystery and not only uh, not explain things, but have its design be the fact that it's not explaining things, uh, I think is really novel and really important. Uh, especially, and it, it you know, and also really well timed in a year where people are are remembering uh, the premiere of Lost and uh, given Lindelof's involvement, Lindelof, um, I, I think that the there's so much promise and so much great stuff just built into the premise and the setting. <laughs> that, I was, that I'm was that i willing to overlook its flaws enough to get it in there. And also, uh, I think it did a better job than almost any other show this year of creating an emotional space and just living in it and not betraying that for an entire season. And it should have been tiresome, but somehow it was just really compelling most of the time. So I, I think it was doing enough things right that only it was doing that it deserves to be in there.
1: Yeah, I do think it's a a worthy choice. It's not on even my top 20. uh, Because the way that I structured my list, uh, and it's the same way I did it last year, is I went through all the different shows, and I said, okay, what are the shows that I'm pro, con, or meh? Okay, once I'm on pro, what are the shows that I was uh that I actually like I really like this show okay what then what are the shows that I was proselytizing for okay what what are the shows that I love and then what are the shows that I I can't leave off and so it was, it was sort of like a whittling process and the leftovers mm-hmm. made the first few but I didn't have as strong of that of an emotional connection like you did to this show and I feel like um if This is the kind of show that some people connected to very, very strongly. It's number one on several critics top uh, top tens Uh, and others like myself. Just, you know, there are obviously some really great strengths to the to the season. But uh, if you don't have that connection, it's not going to be as successful. Also, my list is very much filled with um, moments this year. Very, uh, very, very affected by particularly memorable powerful laugh out loud hilarious moments depending on the genre of the show and while uh, leftovers had some really great episodes which we'll talk more about certain of them next week on our best of the year roundup but uh it didn't have the same kind of transcendent moments for me that it did for for other people did you have any moments that that really connected with you
2: um, there's one in particular I wanna mention, but it would be a spoiler for next week, so I'm just gonna keep that to myself. Um I will say though that as much as I I, I love the show, the fact that they've announced uh significant retooling for next season is also exciting. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> it seems like they're um it's weird because they they keep talking about, yeah, the cast is getting whittled down and yet I can't see anyone who's actually leaving. Um but if they honestly if they ditch the guilty remnant next season the show instantly improves by a lot potentially
1: yeah i don't disagree cuz that for me was the part that was the least successful especially with certain characters not being around uh for for a season 2 i think that makes even even more highlights that uh the ability for the show to take off with without that baggage but um but no there's some some really great stuff in in this season of of The Leftovers, but that's not on my top 10. Instead of The Leftovers, uh, not instead of The Leftovers, but what I have at number nine that you don't have on your list is Rectify, which I thought had a really strong season two. Uh, It's not as concise as season one, obviously having, you know, an extended episode order, but I thought they did a very good job of expanding to fill that episode order, the larger episode order, um, without adding dead weight so it may not have been as uh quite as streamlined as season one but i think they did a good job taking advantage of 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 the episode order to to really flesh out certain parts of the world we spent a lot more time with the sheriff character who was very much a uh a thin point in the cast and in, in the ensemble, I should say, not necessarily the actor, but the, the writing in, in season one. So I was glad to get a much more expanded look at, at him and the, the case against Daniel um, in this season. I liked the, the, the asides we got. I, mean, I loved Daniel going to, what was it? Miami or going to the art, um, our, to to the museum that he went to spent just an episode by himself I liked the detour to the the house and all the drugs <laughs> that we got for that one episode uh, I thought it really worked we we spent even more time with Teddy Jr. this season, a character that you know, kind of loved to hate not in a Joffrey way, but in a um, uh, the performance and the writing is so good and I absolutely see where he's coming from and yet I still really don't like him and then, but then I feel bad for not liking him because I know that I should. Uh, so all of that worked really well. And it still had the same absolutely beautiful moments that we got in season one. There was some really great stuff with um, flashbacks or just inside Daniel's mind to his time in prison. There were some lovely, beautiful, lyrical moments of cinematography and, um, and music and all that. And I'm not going to get too much into that because, again... We'll talk a little bit about some of those moments next week but but yeah, absolutely stunning performances all around excellent use of its ensemble cast and continuing a continuing dedication to the humanity of every single character on that show in a way that very few series in twenty fourteen really uh achieved so rectify is is on my list. Why is it not on your list what kept it from that top 10
2: <laughs> it's in the top 20 um, yeah.
1: I, I i would say that
2: um i i still love the show uh, all those things you said about about it are correct i think the way that they um the way that they use the expanded episode episode order was uh for the most part really smart uh that being said the fact that and i could be getting this wrong but i'm pretty sure they're there they've reduced their episode order again for next year and yeah. uh, that's that's good news. I, I think that most of the expansion was, was really nice. Uh, the, the pacing in some of these episodes, I want to say, especially in the first half, uh, was even for Rectify, Glacial, um, which uh, normally I wouldn't mind because it's Rectify, but even I got to noticing it, which is uh, not great. I think uh, the season threw me off quite a lot with those first two episodes and uh, Daniel's Time spent in the dream space, which uh, I know a lot of people were fine with that. Uh, I found it really cornball. That was the stuff that probably kept it off my top ten. Uh, that being said, it still had so much great stuff. And Teddy Junior is absolutely one of the best characters on television. Um, I've I, I feel for the guy. He's he's just a born loser, and how there's really no other character like him. Or really, I mean, these characters are all so uh, singular. themselves they're they're not types they're people and um, that makes it even more glaring when you get a type like for instance the uh, district attorney former da the senator who uh remains probably the only character on the show to be kind of a caricature
1: i i would go further than i would say he's definitely a caricature um and maybe that's part of why it's number nine on my list and not higher and i'm hoping that's something that they will address uh in their next season because it do such a good job with the sheriff this time so hopefully they really did. they can yeah continue to expand out the world um, next season uh what is the next show that is on yours that is not on mine uh
2: the next show that appears on my list but not yours would be Louie, which is my number nine uh is it on your top 20
1: it is on my top 20
2: all right uh here's the thing i kind of cheated because and it's not really cheated but there's several shows that are in my top 10 That benefited from a rewatch, which I'm sure you haven't had time for a rewatch. No. (laughs) Uh, And I would advise anyone who felt like they didn't like this season of Louis to watch it again, especially if you can watch it again in a day or two. I mean, not in a day. I mean, like in the over the course of a day or two. Um, This was a season that I think really suffered for a lot of people. From its uh, structuring, from the this notion of here's three single, here's three one offs, here's a six parter, uh, here's a three parter, here's a two parter, here's a two parter,
1: here's part one of the three parter, here's the two parter, here's part two, three,
2: right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, not not only yeah uh, the the structuring and the schedule that it aired at FX's uh decision to air two episodes a week I think was really admirable. I think it was probably the best thing they could have done other than just airing it over two nights or something, uh, which would have probably been a suicide even for them but uh i think if you just if you just let go of the episode titles uh the show really just works better as one long strange fever dream uh because there are things that happen in in the in the one-offs that are called back to in the multi-parters there are things within one set of multi-parters that are called back to within other multi-parters this is the season that he uh really embraced serialization in a new way and uh, it's just such a formally daring and tonally daring season of TV. There are fewer laughs than ever, and I didn't care. Uh, there are episodes in which Louis himself barely even appears, except in his in the form of his younger self. Uh, I think um, there's just so much to love about this season, and there were so many great moments that I completely forgot about before I, I got a chance to rewatch it, uh, which I think is... Partially because of the design of the season and partially just because there was so much other stuff going on at the time. Uh, so, yes, I would urge you to think that if 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 you thought that this was a lesser season of Louis, which, I mean, admittedly compared to some of the greats, it was. Uh, but I think uh, you you owe yourself a little bit of a rewatch or at least give, give the first five another chance and see if you forgot some stuff.
1: Yeah, there's so many great moments in the season of Louis. And actually, for me, bizarrely, that maybe what kept it lower on my list. Normally for the rest of my list, there tended to be really powerful moments that, that buoyed the series and, and moved it up. For me, I was remembering it more as peace, uh more piecemeal. So uh, I don't want to say too many of the, the moments, because again, I'm sure we'll get to some of them next week, but the opening sequence with the garbage man, Jane stepping off the subway, uh, the sandwich, the getting trapped in the elevator with Ellen Burstyn. Uh, I, you know, just the, the conversation we get from Louie, the the creator, um, about gender roles and about masculinity. I I mentioned the way that they split up Pamela to be the first part is before Into the Woods or In the Woods, maybe. And this, the next the last two parts are at the end of the season. And I actually think that was a really smart move. Because that is Louis, the character, the darkest he's ever been in that first episode. And I needed a break from him. I needed some space. He was in a dark place, the character was, and his actions are not okay there. And it's because he's in such a dark place... He feels that as a moment of triumph. And so then to go to In the Woods, which was such a lovely flashback. I mean, I I really, the more I think back on the season, I do very much appreciate it. I certainly have a much higher estimation of it than I did immediately after it aired. And I don't disagree with anything you said. I would actually probably, I'm sure, get a lot more out of it from rewatching and and seeing these themes play out over the course of the season. Even just like pairing model and so said the fat lady right back you know on either side of each other like back to back which is not how they aired uh on tv they aired in two separate weeks but i you know that those two as uh as counterpoints to each other i think is really fascinating um basically i'm just going on and on about how louis is great (laughs) and yet it's not in my top 10 which i think says uh, more about how great the top 10 for me are than anything negative about louis
2: yeah. And I'm extremely curious about what the seven episode order for 2015 means. Uh, very. I mean, yeah, that could, that could be so many different things. And like that's Louis is the only show that gets me to speculate what its episode order means, like in a very <laughs> specific way. And I get really nerdy about it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to writing about it again this year because I didn't get to uh, this year. And I think I would have had a field day with it had I been doing that live.
1: <laughs> yeah it was certainly it was it was fun to, to write about it was challenging it was daunting to write about this year uh, I, I had the fun task of uh, coming up with something meaningful to say uh, hopefully about of the Fat Lady and a few of the other episodes as well um, you can find my reviews and Randy's reviews which we traded off over at uh, Sound On Sight but uh, yeah I, I I concur seven episodes Do you, one seven parter
2: Seven oh, one-shots? Uh, or maybe it'll be seven three-shots. <laughs> like, who knows? Like, it it could be anything. I mean, do you... Is there anything that you want back? Is there anything specific that you want? Like, do you want the stand-up material back? Or are you just willing to let his freak flag fly?
1: Um. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty much that. I, w- I mean, I liked having the stand-up. Um, but I didn't miss it as much in this season as I did in previous seasons, I think because of the serialization so they reduced that in season 3 and i missed it but i didn't miss it as much here and i think that's because there was such a focused um narrative uh, plot-wise with the amia six-parter as well as uh, thematically with this exploration of Louis's relationship with the women in his life and you know diving more uh, in depth into his relationship with his children his daughters Uh, potential problems with them as well as his relationship with his ex-wife. So uh, I
2: love that stuff so much.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's so much good here for Louie and yet it's not on my list.
2: (laughs) All right. So what is on your list?
1: At number eight for me, I have last week tonight with John Oliver, which was absolutely a uh, must watch show for me this year. Not only was it consistently funny, but it was consistently must watch, must discuss television. It's so intelligently crafted. It's so carefully crafted. It, and and yet it doesn't feel like you're being handheld at the same time when you so clearly are. Uh, I love the creativity of it. I love the the way that John Oliver created or or you know carved out a, a place for himself in the world of satire, uh, comedic satire, news satire. Uh, I really loved the recurring segments of "How is this still a thing?" and uh, um, his the montages they did, uh, diving in in these long fifteen minute, sixteen minute segments uh, about various topics was was huge for me. It was It was uh, uh, something that nobody else has done, and and allowed for the the best possible use of the week. Once a week format, I think to to really let the researchers dive into a, a topic and and present a cohesive point of view statement I was was it was very successful uh, also then being able to to share and uh w- with friends and family those segments on YouTube. this has got to be the most shared show of the year I would say uh and, and letting that spark new conversations you know so segments like oh we're just kicking up into world cup well here's how horrible fifa is enjoy mm-hmm. go go watch the game you know you're going to you know like even just the the less politically uh touchy topics that they got into were some of the more memorable and uh i just thought it was a show that i i was i was looking forward to but I didn't realize how much I needed uh, last week tonight in my life. Especially, it's been a bit of a shit show of a year, guys. Especially in America. There's been a lot of really downer stuff happening. Uh, so it has been it was great to have that reliable source of commentary once a week while it was on.
2: Uh, if I had to account for it not being in my top ten... It's my number 12. It's basically in my top ten. Uh, but if I had to account for it not being in my top ten... It would be down to something that's not the show's fault, which is that I'm not American, so I don't have the the impulse to share the show. I don't get that really that dimension of the show for the most part because these issues don't affect me for the most part uh, to the same uh, doesn't have that same imperative. Uh, That being said, I mean John Oliver knocked us out of the fucking park. Uh, There is uh, everything that. Everything that I love about the show, uh, really only it's doing. I think that's going to be a trend in uh, stuff that's in the top ten. Uh, stuff like I don't know if you know about the fact that Vice is supposed to start a 24-hour news network. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a thing. That's going to be a thing that that happens. And okay. I think yeah. Last week tonight shows me why that won't work <laughs> because uh, here is because uh, I've you know I've I've seen Vice's news specials. Some of them are really interesting. Uh, but they rely on a sense of sort of gotcha sensationalism that can sometimes result in good reporting and most of the time results in a lot of self back padding and uh, I think what's great about last week tonight is its focus is the fact that it's half an hour a week. They say, hey, what's one topic that people aren't aren't necessarily talking about let's let's give something that's give, give people something that they didn't know they needed to hear about uh, and let's make it really funny. And really, really well backed up. And uh, that's something that we're not even getting from... (laughs) I mean, there is greater levels of research and consideration here uh, going in here than to, you know, real news or, you know, conventional news outlets. And, I mean, this is real news. This is a real news show. And I think the fact that it takes that mission uh, more seriously and more rigorously than uh, even The Daily Show ever did... Uh, I think is uh, it's sequ- It's not so secret weapon that, and of course, uh, John Oliver's Britishness, which I think <laughs> uh, is is so important to why the show works.
1: Yeah, it's a combination of an outsider status and so pr- the perspective that that brings. But he may be British, but he's been living in America for a while now, and so he also there's also a very palpable. And I said this in my capsule uh, for last week tonight over at t- uh, Sound On uh Top Thirty list. It's he also has a very clear love of and belief in America and what America can be or these ideas of what America should be. So he can see uh, issues or flaws that maybe others aren't looking for because they don't have the perspective, the comparison perspective of other countries in the world um, and then go, come on, guys, we're America, we can do it better. And and, and that optimism, I think, is really infectious uh, and also because he doesn't, he doesn't back away from, no, this is really messed up. The civil forfeiture stuff is totally screwed up. Uh, how is this a thing that we let happen in our country? And, and so just the, that duality, like you say, um, of his British, uh, uh, his, his, him being British, but also being American is very effective. And, and the last thing I'll say about last week tonight and, because the initial impulse when you watch some of Last Week Tonight is to be like, Oh, I wish this was on every night. But I don't because I love that this is a show that says, Okay, what's a topic that we should we should care about? Okay, now let's take the time to actually do it well. Let's take the time to research this, to vet it, to 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 look around for something other than the easiest gag. And let's let's really present it. Well, let's let's create a gecko in space or the, the st- let's make a Turkey suit <laughs> or let's make some Muppets to talk about the prison system.
2: Right. Let's get dogs to take the oh place my God. of senators.
1: <laughs> no Supreme court.
2: <laughs> Supreme court. Thank you. Yeah. That was amazing. And also like, as uh, this is something that I appreciate as uh, someone who used to be in debating, uh, he and his writers will frequently take uh, that, that standard uh, debate trope of, uh, even if this, still that. So, you know, you, you give, you, you give the, uh, you know, you, you allow, okay, even if what people are saying is correct, let's grant that. We know it's not, but we'll grant it for the sake of argument. And we'll grant that for the sake of argument. And then just giving these multi-layered, maybe not impossible to refute, but incredibly difficult to refute argument based on evidence and actual argumentation and jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's, that's just a killer combo
1: absolutely um like you said it's it's in your top 20 uh i've been seeing it pop up some lists i was worried it would fall through the cracks and people wouldn't think of it as a show as like a show that could be eligible for these kinds of lists so i've been grateful to see it you know i've been gratified to see it pop up on several lists and that is why it is my number eight what is your third and final what's the end of our lack of overlap well
2: my number six is girls which uh as i understand it is is also in your top 20 Um, I mean, I, I wish that I had a chance to rewatch girls because I'm thinking back and there was so much stuff that I liked. Mostly the reason it's in my top 10 is because I remember watching it and uh, it just having a knockout uh, performance every week and in a different way. I would hazard to guess that girls will never again be quite this good. I mean, that might be pessimistic on my part, but to me, this was, I mean, it's the best season they've done by quite a lot. And I think managed to avoid, uh, there was some really irksome stuff in season two. And the fact that Lena Dunham and company were able to pull out a season this funny, this sad, this human, uh, and this smart at, at this point in their run, I think is, uh, is a great sign for them. Uh, I mean, there was just, there was, there was a lot of good stuff.
1: mm <laughs> I absolutely agree. And it is it's it's not far outside my top ten, uh as well. And th- yeah, when again when I talk about moment based TV, Hannah getting the phone call about about uh uh flow or uh the the just the opening shot of Marnie uh so full of optimism at the beach house. Yes. You know, or like there's so many, there's so many little moments in a season that also had a lot of really, you know, the, the the final image of the season of Hannah just smiling as she holds her acceptance letter. It was absolutely beautiful. And it was very funny. It was laugh out loud funny. It was a consistent in a way. I mean, I really like season two of Girls, but I think season three surpassed it and, and a lot of people for a lot of people it was a rebound season for me it was a progression a continued progression of the series strengths um and, and, and you know the stuff we got with Jessica meeting her family was wonderful the stuff that we got with a few other people who I'm not going to name cuz I'm going to name them next week was also pretty wonderful um yeah this is a show and, and again I just don't have the same kind of emotional connection to it that I have to a few other shows and that's why it's just outside of my top 10 But I I do think it was a a consistently funny, uh, consistently touching, and a consistently very thoughtful season of television that also, thankfully, cut down on some of the just gruesomely painful Marnie stuff. It was still there.
2: It was still there. But it wasn't
1: quite so bad.
2: And from what I've seen slash heard, there's more coming. (laughs) Oh, Marnie. (laughs) Oh, Marnie. That is, I have to say... Points to Allison Williams for the one of the most uh, shamelessly embarrassing performances <laughs> on television.
1: Absolutely, I mean, we talked about this last week on the podcast about uh, John Geller Jr. being saddled with Jim, and how every time you see him, you're like, "Oh, damn this it, Jim." Uh, that's absolutely how I feel about Marnie. And it's not poor Alison Williams' fault at all. She really is so earnest in that role. She commits to it completely. And I love that she doesn't then like go out in interviews and, and blast the character of Marnie as being terrible. She, you know, she's just like, that's just who, that's her job. That's her character. That's who she's playing. And she her job is to find the humanity in that character. And uh, I hope that she is able to, when girls eventually ends, find another character, uh, and and have as much success with a likable character for once. <laughs> uh, but she's she is very good in a very unlikable role. Why well, is it that she's unlikable or just
2: bad at stuff? I mean, she's
1: unlikable.
2: Yeah, maybe I'm just misremembering. But
1: she I, I takes feel... her smoothie and and just throws out the second half of the banana <laughs> because she's I on feel a like health she's kick. More...
2: I feel like she's more, she's systemically inept. She's just, she's an inept human. And I feel like there's something, there is something sympathetic about that. She doesn't, she doesn't do bad things out of pure malice. She does, she does bad things out of some misguided idea of, of what is the correct thing to do or, or, or what she thinks uh, she wants out of life or what she earnestly wants out of life. Or an utter Uh,
1: lack of self-awareness. Uh, or another
2: lack of self awareness, and and that is something that I can identify with, uh, even if um, even if, like you say, it does manifest in her being a horrible human, <laughs> and you know, again, and like the fact that we've just gotten this much out of Marnie uh, tells you what's great about girls.
1: Yeah, without touching on uh, you know Adam, who was great this season, Ray, who was great this season, Shoshana, who had oh man, poor Shoshana, she had a, she had a tough year. Uh, she did. Yeah, it, it was. It was a really strong season of girls, and uh hopefully we'll have a few details that we talk about next week. I know I've got a few that I can't wait to mention next week, so uh shall we cap it there
2: uh yes,
1: okay, and I'm gonna move on to my last uh or the last instance of non hive mind here is Jane the Virgin, which is my number seven. And I have a feeling, depending on what happens in the next uh, next year with Jane the Virgin, I, this is one that I could look back on and uh, say that it's recency bias. Um, but when I was looking at my list, when I was deciding what would make each cut, what kept Jane the Virgin in every time was that this is a sh- this is a show that has made me more passionate about it in such a short time than almost anything I can remember. This is I I went from watching the pilot, writing a very positive review of it for the A.V. Club, being very excited about what the show could be, seeing a spark, seeing the things it was doing that nobody else was doing to just basically berating everyone I know about <laughs> how they need to be watching it in the span of two or three weeks. So it went from this, guys, this could be really good to, OK, no, stop what you're doing I understand. okay, yes, you're in the middle of uh surgery, doctor friend, okay, stop that because you need to go watch Jane the Virgin because it's that good uh and just the again as somebody who listeners to the show long term listeners to the show will know we tend to fall into two different camps, Simon and myself, I tend to be the uh the misguided optimist and you tend to be the bitter cynical uh uh source bastard we bastard. Can say bastard we can say bastard, okay, yeah. So, of course, this is more in my wheelhouse. I, I see bright colors and happy music and, and uh, everyone being good people for the most part, and that's immediately in my wheelhouse. But to see a show based on a character who is, who is very much in the middle class, who is a genuinely good person, how many characters can you describe as one of their main traits being their honesty and their decency and, and have them be an interesting, uh, nuanced, utterly likable, utterly compelling, and relatable character. That never happens.
2: Yeah, Jane the Virgin eats antiheroes for breakfast, and it's uh, it's on my top 20. And it's, it's clearly uh, everything you're saying about it is right. I think the reason I wanted to make sure it was on my top 20 this year is because I'm not sure it'll be there next year. By which I mean... Um, the show, I, I feel like the show has built into it the things that I'm going to dislike about it later. Uh, the fact that it's so uh, oriented around uh, this, who knows what it, it could be a love uh, hectagon by by next year. <laughs> it could be anything. The plot moves so quickly that, that we'll never know. And I feel like at some point I'm just naturally going to hit my breaking point and stop caring. Uh, but for now, I think uh, I'll, I'll, everything you've just mentioned is an incredible virtue. I mean, Gina Rodriguez, holy shit. Uh, if anyone wants an idea of Gina Rodriguez's range, I mean, watch watch a bunch of Jane the Virgin and and love how uh, you know a- adorable but not sickly sweet she is. Then go watch some clips from the movie Philly Brown, and you can watch her. <laughs> you can watch her just like throw out some like filthy sex raps. It's <laughs> like, like she's amazing, and uh, th- without her, the show is nothing. And, uh, I mean, that sounds mean, but it's true. Uh, she's in just about every scene that matters. And, uh, I think there, there's a lot of ways the show could go wrong, but I think as long as it honors that character, uh, it'll, it'll at least be watchable. And, uh, I think the last thing I wanted to mention is that it's, uh, it's one of the few shows just to take cues from, uh, the pre-Hannibal Era of Brian Fuller, and by the pre-Hannibal era, I mean the bright, shiny era. <laughs> uh, so I'm talking like, uh, well, I guess the Dead Like Me pilot kind of fits in there, but pushing Daisy specifically,
1: Wonderfalls uh, too,
2: and and Wonderfalls. Thank you, that's the one I was looking for. Uh, those shows had this sense of uh, of sort of wounded optimism that uh, pops up here as well, although in a less wounded format. As well as uh, some, some elements of magic realism, which popped up actually just this past week in a big way. And I'm surprised more people haven't made that connection.
1: Yeah, I've been seeing, uh, finally, because this is something you've been talking about for a while on the podcast. I have started to see other people kind of make that make that jump, uh, which, you it, know.
2: It took a printer with eyes to make that connection happen for people, I think. It took a printer with
1: eyes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I absolutely agree uh, with everything you say there. It, it is such a precarious balancing act. The tone of this show to make it work. And that's what is so particularly impressive about Gina Rodriguez's performance. And and I would say the, most of the entire cast as well. Like, look at a, a role like Petra. I actually mm. care about and like Petra, which I really, really shouldn't. And that is down to the performance of that actress. Um, and, and I would say several of, you know, like Michael, he should just be such a shit of a character. And you can see in the pilot, they were originally going to start heading that way, but then they went, no, let's make him a decent guy. Let's do that instead. And that's more interesting. And very few shows are making that choice. The last thing I will mention specifically is I love the intergenerational relationships on this show. I love how important uh, Jane's abuela is to her. And I, I love that the show, I mean, this is a, a, a very strong and independent and uh, forthright character, Jane, who was raised by a very strong and independent Forthright mom and a very strong and independent girl because that doesn't happen in a vacuum. And so I love Mm -hmm. that we can see these family traits, we can see how they interact, how they, how they, how each generation kind of created the next one, uh, as well as just how, how strong and passionately they care for each other. And in a tie to my other, one of my other shows that you didn't have on your list, um, but you know, that I know that you also enjoy, Rectify, it's such a respectful depiction of religion as well because this is a, you know, America is a very religious country, and for a country where, I want to say, and I know that this, this is not all always a religious holiday for people, but 96% of America celebrates Christmas, and a really large chunk of America defines themselves in a big way through their faith. It's very rare to see a show who, you know, it's like the main character is a virgin, and a big part of that is, it's really her relationship with her grandmother, but it's also her connection to her faith. And they don't go for the sim. It would be so easy to go for the joke there, or to have any character even just say, "I don't get it." But they're all so respectful of each other. It doesn't happen, and I love that.
2: Yep all all of that is right, and and also despite the fact that you have a, a you know this this faith based uh, you know main character, this is this this show has joined the hallowed realm of uh, of shows that actually use the word abortion when it's called for, and did it in Spanish and English.
1: There are very, very few of those.
2: <laughs> yes. And, oh, yeah, and also one of the few shows to be, let's say, one quarter bilingual.
1: Yeah, at least somewhat. And, and, and again, a reasonable and very believable, in a reasonable and very believable way. Um, I'm going to leave it there. There's some other significant strengths to the show that I will mention so next week. Uh, so for now, let's take a break. And uh, we'll come back with uh, the next three shows, the first three that uh, overlap between our two lists. We'll be right back after this.
0: Every God, you can call, I stand outside, this woman's world, this woman's world. Ooh, it's hard on the man, now his part is over. Starts the craft of the Father I know you have a little life in you head I know you have a lot of strength left I know you have a little life in you head I know you have a lot of strength Young left Young Lemon Hope Born from cat. We
1: Our nine non-hive mind list here, Simon. And uh, when we were first talking about our best of 2014, we just kind of were spitballing and threw out a few shows and uh, ended up with seven that were like, okay, well, you got to have this. You got to have this. And uh, I think most of those, and that was like a month ago, most of those have stayed on the list. And I think that's a testament to, first of all, how strong the beginning of the year is for TV. And also, just how much these next seven shows uh, we, you know, they they're playing to again, an audience. We obviously have several things, uh, several uh, criteria that we look for in common. There's a lot of hive mind on this podcast, but we also have some big differences in taste as well. So,
2: well, I also just realized that two of the three shows that were on my top ten, but not on yours were shows that aired at a time that I couldn't talk about them on the podcast with you.
1: Yep, there's that (laughs) So
2: (laughs) that probably contributed.
1: Um, But uh, the first of the shows that were overlapped, we're going to go, again, from lowest up. uh, It's my number 10, it's your number 8, and that's You're the Worst, uh, which... Oh, man. I'm so glad that... Because it took you a little bit there. And there's some on my list that it took me a little bit for, but I'm so glad you got on board with You're the Worst.
2: Yeah, um... I was so skeptical about this show. I mean, the title is awful, um, at least until you watch it and it kind of makes sense. Um, the premise is dumb. Uh, FX hasn't had a great track record with comedies, uh, with new comedies, rather. I mean, obviously, they've got a few established ones that are amazing, but uh, they've it's it's been shaky ground for them for a little while. And the whole FX, the FXX thing didn't really help us, uh, you know, instill confidence either. Maybe that's just me. Uh, And you know nobody. uh, You're way more of a romantic comedy person than I am, so all those things were just against it from the beginning. And the fact, and that makes its inclusion here uh, all the more, uh, all 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 the more surprising. There is just so much to like. Uh, It was one of those shows that either you cottoned on to or you didn't, and I only know of a couple people who didn't. Um, uh, I mean, there's there is so much to like the it 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 has this mix of uh sweetness and sentimentality that is just right and just just shy of outright manipulation never quite gets there uh for the most part along with a huge huge helping of very raunchy very funny humor uh that uh i think is just beautifully balanced and helped along also by its its subplots and its subcharacters which that's something that a lot of comedy series really struggled with this year was how to integrate the entire cast. There were so many sitcoms this year that had amazing casts that they made absolutely terrible use of. And here was a show starring, for the most part, complete unknowns and managed to make all of them shine.
1: And not even just the uh, the four leads, the two leads and the two main supporting characters but the entire world like characters who popped up for one episode were memorable and fit in beautifully with what with, with the world recurring characters somebody like Lindsay's sister Becca or cousin sister, I think it's sister, sister. Does, does not matter anyway someone like like Becca just as uh memorable and interesting in their own way as as the leads and uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the actors next week but I do think that those, again, I talked about with Jane the Virgin, there's a really precarious balancing act to get me to invest in and care about these characters, to, to make them feel legitimately terrible, absolutely terrible, but completely relatable, completely understandable. And and it's been a while since I watched Seinfeld, so I need to rewatch it. Uh, but I remember when people started talking about it, you know, you know, we had some discussion of Seinfeld recently because we had an anniversary come up but even just when it went off the air they're like oh yeah it's a show about these four terrible people and i was just always kind of like really they're bad people they seem like they seem like me (laughs) (laughs) uh but that's because they're so relatable and they all the show always put you in their shoes completely that uh when they were being selfish when they were being jerks you absolutely knew what that felt like had been there and could relate and i think that this show just takes that and twists it a bit further, where they, they they make them, the characters, hopefully most of us listening wouldn't make the same choices and wouldn't be as destructive and uh, uh, terrible as these characters so frequently are, even just the two leads to their best friends. But mm. you always, it never comes from a place of malice, ever.
2: Well, and I think that the difference between something like, let's say, It's Always Sunny... Um, which is another great series that we were missing this year. Yeah, uh, it took its first year off like ever, um, but is back soon. The uh, You're the Worst understands that a lot of the time when people behave badly, it's uh, usually it, it, it's usually motivated by something not as obvious. It's usually uh, there's usually some kind of other force at work, and it understands that about its characters. These are wounded, damaged, broken people and uh they they don't necessarily have the greatest coping mechanisms or the ways to deal with that interpersonally. In fact, they generally have the absolute worst possible ones and uh and the, the series asks what if what if several people like this were to collide and I think the results are uh funnier and more affecting than anyone could have hoped.
1: Well, I love the depth they give to each of their characters as well. I mean, when we meet Gretchen's parents and we see just this completely other side of her. You can't even imagine before you meet her parents, you can't imagine her being cowed and, Mm -hmm. and, and quiet and still and afraid. And, and, but it's such a, it's so organic and so well played by cash. And, uh, it, it just completes a, a segment of the picture of that character that you didn't realize that you were missing. Uh, and they did that with each of these characters in really memorable ways.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to say, as much as I wasn't initially sold on Desmond Borges and his character uh, and the way he was going to fit into the show, I think that evolved beautifully over the course of just these 10 episodes. And uh, you know, and also, like, serious credit, serious credit to Stephen Falk, uh show creator who uh, is a former TV blogger himself. Uh, knows the medium inside and out like few uh, first time showrunners do from what I can tell had a very defined idea of what he wanted to do this season and I think completely set out to do it alignments of creator and concept and channel don't happen this often so we should enjoy it
1: absolutely uh, the last thing I'll mention uh, is I, I gotta mention the trio of, of Sam Shitstain and Honey Nuts, because they were delightful, uh, surprising, and gave gave the season some of its best moments, some of its most uh, honest and reflective moments, but also some of its most laugh out loud uh, bits as well. So thank you to Stephen Falk for creating Shitstain and Honey Nuts and the far less colorfully named Sam.
2: Yes. Uh, those, again, characters that do not work on paper.
1: No, not at all. Uh, A show that shouldn't work on paper uh, is Adventure Time. That's our next one. That is, if I may just a little back pat here, a little through the internet high five, uh, Simon, because Adventure Time, uh, it's my number six. It's your number seven. It is a truly remarkable show. It is a truly great show. And nobody has it on their fucking lists. And I don't understand. (laughs) Uh yeah, I'm trying to remember how
2: how did we first start covering Adventure Time? I, uh, you prompted
1: me to watch it. I don't remember exactly when. Yeah. Yes,
2: totally taking credit for that. I feel like I started watching it early into last season, season five, the Never Ending season, as you are fully aware, having just watched all of it. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is a this is a show whose seasons are daunting, even though the show is 11 minutes long. Uh, I mean, there is nothing on TV remotely like Adventure Time, other than maybe other Cartoon Network stuff I, have, I haven't really gotten to yet. I did start Regular Show, uh, but it hasn't grabbed me so far in the same way that Adventure Time did. Maybe I'll I'll skip ahead a little bit and see if it does more for me. I've heard great things about Steven Universe uh, and other shows that, that they're doing, but so far, Adventure Time is it. And from what I understand, uh, there's nothing else that can really rival... It's, uh, I mean, I have a wallpaper on my, my laptop wallpaper has like characters from Adventure Time. It's not even close to an exhaustive wallpaper of the characters from Adventure Time, but there's easily like 150 characters on it. It is ridiculous. The level of uh, of creativity, the level of interconnectivity, the the way it's willing to uh, just completely, It ha- there's no sense of format on Adventure Time besides beyond having... Opening credits and ending credits. What happens in the middle? Who knows? Uh, it makes the, I mean, it makes the formal experimentation of Louis look timid. Uh, and I love Louis clearly. Is there and, and you know it can be uh, completely balls out hilarious. It can be cr- really really creepy. It, it is often tragic. Uh, and you're talking about uh, you know an animated 11 minute series set in the world of ooh. <laughs> I don't really know how else to sell you on it.
1: I mean, the, the, for me, obviously, I enjoy, I have a big place in my heart for comedies. Uh, there are several on my top 10. This is the highest uh, comedy, I would say, if you want to call it that, on my top 10. But the the most effective moments for me are always when they get you laughing and then they, you know, <laughs> you stop. And this show, the, its willingness to embrace darkness and to embrace How just messed up life is sometimes, especially for, you know, for a teenager trying to figure out some stuff, which is what Finn is uh, at this point in the show. But also just in general is absolutely it's 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 remarkable. It's it's courageous, I would say. This is a show theoretically for kids on Adult Swim watched by a lot of kids, uh, way more than um, adults, because a lot of adults don't know what they're missing. Um, and it's doing episodes like the one we had recently on the surveillance state. It's doing episodes <laughs> i mean like this year had such a murderer's row of episodes we had we had finn um really explore uh loss of self and control and de- his deepest fears in an episode like Blade of Grass. Or, in Billy's bucket list, where he knocks himself out so that he can go in the ocean because that's how strongly he feels connected to to his his uh former friend Billy, who's you know died um and he, because he's so terrified of the ocean we've got then we've got uh something like Lemon Hope, which completely subverts expectations of the hero trope and the hero's journey while being completely. Uh, surrealist and expressionist and absolutely gorgeous to look at we have the the tower which is totally (laughs) fucked up and dark but also uh, amazing and really really powerful as well then you get something it's just out there as food chain it's just like okay this week we're just gonna show you what the food chain is and we're gonna have a bunch of songs and very different art i mean there, there. This is a murderer's row of episodes, and there's like the, the the weakest of the episodes that they of the many episodes I should say that they aired this year. Um, I think it's something like 25 or twenty five 20, or 20, somewhere between twenty five and twenty eight episodes this year. Uh, is a very entertaining, solid episode. The the, the very weakest of, of that batch, uh, and the the heights of this year for them are some truly introspective. Laugh out loud, hilarious, and very moving television.
2: Yeah, I can't think of another show. You mentioned Food Chain, which is, I believe, the second time they've just had a guest animator come in and just do the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, I don't think there's anything else on TV uh, that can really claim that, other than you know the Simpsons, the the um, the couch gags they've been doing on the Simpsons over the le- this last season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, and the show gets such tremendous dividends from that as well and i mean what other show has its creator step back creatively because he's burned out and has other members of the team step forward and gets better
2: yeah and like and also from what i understand quietly stepped down didn't say anything and like a year later was like oh yeah i stopped doing that
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean there's there's so many characters and i'm gonna talk about a few moments next week but They're just, this is a show, if you, if you have listened to us tell you you should watch other shows, and it's always so gratifying to us when people write in and say, I would never have given Jane the Virgin a shot if you guys hadn't pushed for it so hard. Thank you. I really like it. Or some other shows like that. If you've ever gotten a positive lead to a show that you really like from our recommendations, we are, we are... Looking at you through the internet and saying, You need to be watching Adventure Time. It is truly great television. Why yeah. aren't I you? I mean, watching I would it?
2: say I would say I mean, they've aired like over two hundred episodes or something crazy like that. I don't think it's 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 required to start from the beginning and watch it all. Although you should.
1: Well, and I would rec- highly recommend people just get the first season DVD and watch the first few. Because I think the first few are a very good introduction to the tone of the show and the, the Finn and Jake dynamic. But then, go crazy.
2: Uh, Yeah. I would say, I mean, if you can find, like, a top 20, 30 episodes and get an idea of the highlights. Or, you know, go go back through the AV Club's archives and see what see what their A's are. Although they underrated some really great episodes. Um, I know cuz I've read all that stuff. <laughs> uh just when you when you start to see some of the highlights, I think you're going to want to watch more uh because uh A, they're better when you have more context for them and B, uh you'll come to realize there's nothing else remotely like this on TV.
1: Yeah. Adventure Time for the win man. Adventure Time is amazing and I'm so glad that I'm caught up. This is a show I'm glad that I can say I've watched all of it and it it just keeps giving greater and greater dividends so uh yeah adventure time for the win uh our next show we're going to talk about in this segment is the good wife which is my number 4 your number 5 Boosh. oh man now, now we we've, we've been a little comparatively negative on the good wife recently uh because of season 6 but 2014 also included the second half of season 5 and uh Man, I I can't talk too much about a particular moment because we all know it's going to be on my list next week for most gutting moments. So, we setting that aside, Simon, what? why is The Good Wife your number five? I
2: mean, The Good Wife is sort of the anti-adventure time of this list because everyone agrees on why it's great and everyone agrees that there's nothing else like it. Everyone agrees that it's the only net worth, dr- net worth drama really worth caring about to this level. <clears throat> um, what? Hannibal? Yeah, that's different.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the only uh, theoretically standard, you know, uh, a standard cookie cutter procedural yeah. kind I'm gonna of. I'm going to talk
2: about why Hannibal doesn't count later. Okay. But,
1: um, but um, I
2: mean, The, the Good Wife is, is another one of those shows that on paper just shouldn't work. Or, like its rep is well known but for years it was impossible to get people to watch it impossible it's starting to get easier now although although it's tricky because now it's even da- it's more daunting than ever to try to get caught up with the mythology uh or the, or the series history but putting all that aside i mean everyone knows the good wife is great who's watched even a little bit of it and the way that they blew up the show not once but twice this year uh, was remarkable to behold. The Kings took what should have been an impossible situation to write themselves out of uh, in a graceful way and took huge risks. Um, I mean, the hitting the fan and the the, the events associated with that, I think were um, in terms of show blowing up uh, acceptable risks, uh, risks you could have predicted uh, easily coming uh you know in terms of the the story development maybe it was happening faster and more thoroughly than you were expecting uh but the events of that episode uh were foreshadowed long before uh the events of dramatics your honor no no foreshadowing <laughs> yeah zero zip zero this is not the sopranos there's there are no there are no dream sequences there are no hints as to as to what comes in that episode uh their decision to go that route with it. Um people have had very uh legitimate objections to that, and uh it it definitely divided the fan base and I know people who think that season five for that reason uh was one of the series worst because it's you know supposedly stooped to uh you know law and ordery let's say tropes in order to uh in order to write off a character and while i respect <laughs> the right to say that um I think the way that particular development was handled uh, both in the moment and especially over the next few weeks of the show I think really defined uh the the, the, the attention to detail on on a character writing level uh, on this show which is unparalleled and, and you're right to say that season 6 hasn't been as good uh, which has been a bummer for me because I've been writing about it um it still had a lot great about it that 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 you can't say about any other show, and if it had and if it hasn't been quite hitting season five highs, that's just because uh, the the kings haven't been put in a corner in the same way. I don't think.
1: Well, maybe they have, but they have greater limitations with the next character they need to write off that that's true. really tie their hands up. Uh, but no, I mean the the events of Dramatics, Your Honor. This is not that show. This is not that show where this kind of thing happens. And there's a reason the internet broke over this episode. Uh, as we were, everybody watching The Good Wife, who was on Twitter at all, just went to Twitter and just couldn't speak. We're just like, uh. Uh. Oh, just hold me. And we were all in the corner, just kind of rocking back and forth. And then, it, especially with the last call, which is such a powerful and just draining episode, I can't imagine what that was like to film. But what this what this development did for the show, and and the episodes before then, leading up to that, in in the earlier part of the year, were also very strong. Just good the way in the way that the Good Wife always is. But they they crystallize what the show does best. Some of its absolutely biggest strength so they they took the flashbacks and the memory and the the, these cutaways to a new level and to a new place they they wrote in another absolutely memorable character uh that you can't imagine the show without at this point at least i can't they 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 put the characters in a position to make decisions they needed to have made years ago but were unable to based on who these characters are. They they put new pressures and new... Uh, they forced new realizations on their characters in a very powerful way. And they also allowed for a strengthening of relationships that were almost non-existent before Dramatics Your Honor. We got so much more time with Diane and Alicia and a new relationship between the two of them because of what went down uh, in that episode, uh, we got really great stuff for Kalinda. We got uh, Carrie elevated in a way that he hasn't been. We, you know, this this is a, a supremely affecting and powerful and funny. Can I say and yes, utterly memorable and supremely edited and so well. So I mean, I love their their soundtrack choices. Their their classical scoring. Not so big on the score itself, but I love their soundtrack. Um, this is a show that is just so wonderfully executed on every level and then goes to a new level with its character choices and with its structural handling of some of the more tricky sides of television production.
2: Yes. And uh, I mean, we can quibble about individual things, but uh, you, you mentioned the fact that the show is funny. The fact that it has a sense of humor about itself. I mean, just the fact that the episode we keep talking about is called Dramatics, Your Honor. <laughs> I mean, shit. That's funny. That is. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing funny about the episode, but that's funny.
1: It really, really is. Um, yeah. <laughs> and as much as we may uh, have quibbles about season six, it's still been a very uh, successful season of any other network show. Yes. Yeah. And, and the way that they've, uh, you know, tried to work around the clear behind-the-scenes limitations that they have with with Kalinda. Uh, by bringing and bringing up Lamont Bishop by giving Carrie a lot more to do has been inc- incredibly successful and uh, I look forward to seeing you know what the show I, I feel like if after a season five of the good wife you've earned a rebuilding year
2: yes uh, that being said is it wrong that I sort of hope they they aim to wrap things up maybe next season I feel like seven seasons is a good length for them
1: yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised by an announcement like that. Um, that does feel like a natural kind of point for them, but uh, you know who knows? I if I've if if I know anything about the Good Wife, it's that I trust the Kings, to yes. to deliver quality television. Uh, I wouldn't have thought you could do what they did this year and make it work. I really wouldn't have. And that's a topic for next week. That's a literal category for next week. Um, yes. So uh, I'm going to leave it there. But yeah, I I trust them to make it work.
2: Yep, uh, I I concur with that. It's on both our 10s for a reason.
1: Yeah. Okay, we'll take a break and come back with another two uh, picks from our top 10s. We'll be right back.
0: And uh, now the end is near. I traveled each and every highway and more, much more than this. I did it my
1: Top 10s, we have our only bit of hive mind, complete hive mind, and that's uh, our number three show and our number two show. We had the, the exact same. Number three was Mad Men, and that's another one for me, like I said, for Adventure Time. Mad Men is on surprisingly few lists, and the list it's on tend to be, it's tends to be surprisingly low on those lists, and I don't understand that because for, Mad Men last year wasn't even on my top 30 I think cuz I had no connection with the characters. I was just sort of pissed off at the show cuz I didn't trust them to actually progress anywhere. Uh and when I talked about earlier in the podcast about moment-based television, this this show secured its space on my top 10 with Burt Cooper. Just mm. that by itself. But the fact that this is a season so full of memorable, touching seasons years long payoffs uh makes it absolutely worthy of being on a top 10 as far as i'm concerned almost every single episode had at least one really powerful moment um why is it not on more lists
2: i think um there's a few reasons first of all i mean it only aired what eight episodes this year? seven episodes this year normally we get 12 i think um that's significant. I mean, that means it only it took up less than two months of the year. Uh, it occupied the zeitgeist for way less time, uh, so naturally it kind of recedes in the memory. I think also it had the uh, because AMC decided to split up its la- the last season, um, which honestly, if I worked at AMC, I would have been totally for. <laughs> because once because once Mad Men's gone, they have no prestige drama, period. Um they've are they already had to let go of Breaking Bad and they didn't want to do that either. Uh, and there's absolutely no guarantee that Better Call Saul is gonna take off. Uh as much as they might think so. And as much as we all might hope so. But um, you know, if if I was if I was an AMC I would totally support that. That being said, the audience was not into it. Uh we would all I don't I don't think there's a single person. Who would have preferred what they did? <laughs> um, and yet, I think that the split actually ended up being a good idea. Uh, or at least it seems to have turned out to be a good idea because uh, this, I mean, it, it's, it, it is season 7A, but it felt like a season. It felt like it actually uh, told a, a complete story which, uh, you know, the the notion of Mad Men telling a complete story in seven episodes is revolutionary for the show, because sometimes it doesn't even tell a complete story in 12 episodes. <laughs> uh, sometimes it doesn't tell a complete story in 24 episodes. And um, the fact that it got its ass kicked this year by the episode order, I think, was a huge blessing. Beca- and, the, and also the fact that it's the last season is a huge blessing, because it gives Matthew Weiner and the writers... Um, Not just permission, but the impetus to take its characters to new places to to really, like you said, to have these payoffs. I mean, the things that stand out to me, the things you've already mentioned, but what happens to Ginsburg, um, I think, is uh, tremendously affecting. Um, I mean, lots lots of small things, but I think the major one, the thing that we didn't think was possible, the thing that you didn't think was going to happen was the redemption of Don Draper which uh was so complete this year and so uh and so like th- so thoroughly rendered and so beautifully written and performed i mean who could have seen that coming
1: absolutely uh i mean don and sally getting dinner yeah that it's just beautiful it's wonderful and it f- t- ties in so completely with what their arc has been over the course of the season while also uh, just get, giving giving him this tiny moment while the rest of his life is so screwed up. He's fighting desperately to keep his job. He's fighting against all of his impulses to just blow everything up like he has so many times in the past. But he gets uh, a love you, Dad, as, as Sally runs out the car. And it's just like the most touching moment ever, or would be if we didn't later have uh, Don dancing with Peggy to My Way or mm. them sitting down to burger chef or think uh or anna draper's um was it her niece right popping up for one mm-hmm. more episode the, the 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 dissolution of don and megan's marriage that we all knew was coming it was handled in such uh, i think a uh, uh intelligent way and i mean i always liked megan i don't know why everybody else has such a megan problem but uh i thought that that was really successful we saw bob uh um Bob Benson come back for a really memorable episode, one of Joan's most memorable. We got to see uh, Dawn get a promotion, a much, you know, very late promotion. We got to see Roger go to the commune to to try to get his his daughter. Uh, Other
2: Dawn, we should be clear. Oh,
1: yes, yes. Other Dawn. Dawn, not Dawn. 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 Yeah, Roger, you know, following his daughter to a hippie commune to try to, you know, get her back to, to raise her kid. I mean, there's so much... Really, and then we also had one of the villains of the year, the cardigan wearing monster that is Lou Avery,
2: uh oh yes, right, Lou, sorry, I was thinking of Harry Hamlin, who... yeah
1: Cuddler, it was another really strong antagonist,
2: yes, uh although his his moment of uh of sheer pragmatism uh near the end of the, oh do we, oh that's that means money, cool <laughs> uh that was. Harry Hamlin was the, was the was the show's secret weapon this year. He's just he just killed it. Uh I mean, yeah, there was nothing not great in these episodes. Just about like at least I can't think of anything. Uh maybe there was some Betty stuff that wasn't the greatest. I don't know. I can't remember anything. I, like I remember her stuff trip. being pretty good. You, yeah, the field trip was great, the picnic, uh etc. Um that was this season, right? Yeah. It was so long ago. Uh there was just yeah, so much great stuff. Uh Kieran and Shivka c- continuing to be an absolute delight. I mean, how could they have known how much they lucked out by casting her in the first place? Holy shit! Uh, I mean, yeah, there was there was almost nothing. Uh, everything that's annoyed us about the last couple seasons it, within the the last couple seasons of Mad Men, none of that was there. It was. Pre- it, it felt like a greatest hits season uh, it, in a in a good way.
1: Yeah, it really does. It, and no one's gonna say that Matthew Weiner is particularly subtle. His themes. But yeah, you didn't feel quite as heavy a hand here as you did in previous seasons. Like, oh, there's a fog outside. The smog is oppressively dark. Make sure you keep the window. <laughs> you know, like we didn't have any of those moments like that. It was, uh, it really felt like the characters getting to breathe and moving to the next logical stage. And yes, like you said, the fact that it's the last season means we can stop stretching out the Peggy and and Dawn. Uh, conflict Uh, speaking of Peggy and Dawn Peggy and Dawn uh, had that wonderful thing with the flowers
2: yes I mean there's so many great
1: moments but but yes there was a forward momentum to these episodes that was refreshing and uh, like you say there's not a bit of uh, chaff with the wheat in this season of Batman
2: and I actually in another instance of people being wrong I did read a few people say, "Oh, these 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 episodes felt like so rushed, especially after the last couple of seasons." Well, good, rust is good. It's the for last Mad season, Man, apparently. Like <laughs> <laughs> Men, the rust looks good on Mad Men. It's way better than lethargic. Way better than watching Don do the same things over and over again and dragging the show down with him. This was so much better.
1: Yeah, it was a great, great year for for Mad Men, and uh, I I just I hope that they can stick the landing. I don't know if they can, but regardless of what happens next year, the first seven episodes of of Mad Men were truly fantastic. Um, let's move on to our number two, our joint number two here, and that's Transparent, season one. And this is another one. Last year, I reviewed the pilot of Transparent on the podcast, and I pretty much hated it. I liked Mora, but I hated all the kids so completely that I had no interest in watching the show. I was like, I've seen this show. I've seen these narcissistic, self-involved characters. Everyone except Mora, I feel like I've seen before, and I'm not interested in them at all. And I haven't been so glad to be wrong about a show since I was so anti-Hannibal, just based on its premise. Uh, <laughs> Transparent was... Absolutely beautiful television. I, people should have told me it was a half hour to start out because there are still people who don't know, by the way, who haven't seen it. This is a half hour show, 10 episodes. You can knock it out in two days or one really long day and you will thank us because it is, it is a fantastic season of television.
2: Yeah, this has been, um, it's been... Can we just mention this has been a great year for female showrunners? Uh, you know, more so than any other previous year. And this is Jill Soloway's first crack at uh, at a series. I've seen one or two of, of her movies, and I really wasn't impressed, which is another reason that I that I personally was skeptical about the show. But uh, she did an incredible job, and Amazon Studios uh, did an incredible job uh, with this show. It's worth mentioning because it's their first, um, it's it's their it's their critical breakthrough, and or it's their breakthrough overall, really. And it's a serious statement. The, the whole cast is, is amazing. Um, we'll, uh, th- th- there will be occasion to talk about individuals uh, more later, but this was a show that I think did the most artful balancing of, of comedic and dramatic beats of anything we saw this year. I mean, there were individual scenes uh, that could break your heart and make you laugh, and that's such a horrible poster pull quote, but it's true, uh, within seconds, and it could be excruciating or funny or heart-rending uh sometimes instantaneously and that's because the show is so great at mining uh how raw um how emotionally devastating the subject matter is and uh i i loved it's it's playing with um uh, how, how should i say this um there were so many shows this year where uh y- Either you or I or some combination uh, of us thought uh, this would be a great time for a flashback. And I feel like that was partially inspired by Transparent because its use of flashbacks was incredible. And the, the fact that we get a whole episode uh, with the younger versions of the kids uh, at this, um, you know, at, at, at a pivotal time in Mora's development um, that was such a smart move. And they didn't they, you know it, they, they could have easily done that some other way, but I think that was the best possible one. And they had the freedom to do that. and I, I, I hope other showrunners are taking notes because uh, there are so many shows that could benefit from having the flexibility to do that.
1: Well, and again, this is uh, it's because they do such a good job with it. That's another thing I wish people had told me that you would get a sense of Mora's development over time because I didn't realize that from the from the pilot I didn't get a sense of that and to see to see her in the present and to see her in the past it was really I mean when she when she goes away to that weekend camp that's I think one of my favorite episodes of the season that's best new girl episode 8 uh and to see see her finally relaxed and open and free the performance from Jeffrey Tambor just Absolutely astonishing. I mean, when you're saying that about Jeffrey Tambor, you're talking about somebody who was on the Larry Sanders show, and was great. And you're talking about somebody who was on Arrested Development, and was great. So we already expect a lot from him, but he was so good in this role. And when you tie that in with the progression of all these other characters, with an episode like that one as well, you get this... Absolutely gorgeous cinematography, the direction on the show, the composition of the shots. Um, Todd Endwerth has a great article up, for, up at Vox or from earlier in this year, just taking I think it was one screen cap from each episode, and talking about how wonderfully it, that just that still frame encapsulates everything that that episode of that show is about and exploring. Uh, this is a show, like we talked about with, uh, with Mo Ryan when she came on the podcast earlier this year, this is a show that utterly respects all of its characters, that is interested in all of them and has no qualms with making them go through difficult and challenging uh, emotions and uh, and and, pro- and developments over the course of this, the year.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, another show that, that really uh, that embraces its characters' flaws and uh, does something other than just rub your nose in them. I feel like we went through years – we had to get through years of TV shows of characters behaving badly and you should feel bad. <laughs> uh, I feel like we we had to go through the, the years of that to get to the state of TV that we got this year, which is these characters are behaving badly, but uh, that's okay.
1: Yeah, and here's why. And, and here's why you he probably would too.
2: <laughs> and you you may have yourself. You probably you know people behaving badly in a way uh, that is uh, that that is sensical, if not necessarily agreeable. And I think the um, the whole cast. I mean, J. Duplass. Uh, <laughs> uh, theoretically, we should have enough of the Duplass brothers in our lives, but uh, you know, J. Duplass re- really uh, t- took what sh- uh, I wanted to single him out because he took what should have been. An absolutely insufferable character
1: and started uh, out as such
2: and and definitely starts out and definitely starts out that way, uh and somehow makes him not only tolerable but likable
1: Amy Landecker, I should hate Sarah, she's terrible oh Sarah's the worst. Sarah's but... terrible but she is so good. I mean and, and uh, I mean, Laura Harden as is so wonderful to see her get to play this kind of a character because of course the only thing that most people will know her from is from The Office being crazy basically on The Office and so to see her get to play such a different role here and I mean Judith Light is, is hilarious. I, I wasn't as surprised by that as apparently some other people were. That just seems like awesome casting i've liked her for years but uh gabby hoffman really i mean she was great on girls but she really impressed me here the 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 arc she takes ali on over the course of the season you see her get more and more fragile as as she starts forcing herself to look inward more and more it's it's wonderful
2: mm-hmm. the uh the whole cast is is just amazing and um and, and there is just some some really beautifully cast uh, smaller parts as well. I love the use of Rob Hubel mm-hmm. and uh, and Brandstein. also uh, and Carrie Brownstein, you know, people who you don't think of uh, as necessarily having a place in a at least 50 percent dramatic series. And I think that their their casting in particular was really canny. Uh, the casting of the younger versions of everyone was unreal
1: yep and all just good actors unreal. too not just lookalikes
2: oh, yeah no yeah exactly like unreal on every level this was a great year for flashback kid casting um I don't know why that's worth singling out, but it is uh I mean it was just it was one of the most emotionally overwhelming shows of the year uh and I, I wanted to circle back to Jeffrey Tambor because you mentioned I mean he's got one of the greatest co- TV comedy resumes in history uh he's just been in, he's been a part of so many great shows. But he's kind of been a part of all these great shows in kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, like all of his previous characters are very easily connectable in terms of the way that they carry themselves and behave. Um Maura is something totally different, not uh only because of uh you know the obvious reasons, but also because uh she uh she I mean she's she's not uh, a goofball. She's not or or, she, or she's not like you know, this this sort of cynical bastard we get in in uh in from the other series you know she uh she has a very she obviously she has her own flaws obviously but she has a an extremely clear-headed take on what is going on within her family and uh maybe she doesn't always handle each one of those problems in the best possible way uh but i think it goes a long way to uh enduring sort of these uh these these more unsavory character traits we get from the from the other characters when you have a character who's willing to call everyone on their bullshit in a nice way in a in a way that you would expect from family um but uh but also that we can recognize it in, in our own criticisms of those characters uh, that was really crucial.
1: Well while also being a far from perfect character herself. I I the way that everything comes to a head in the in the finale is is really well well executed. The the you know, them calling out Mora for keeping everything secret and, you know, all these little these uh these secrets between each of the relationships. It's very thoughtful and it's very humanistic, and, and I love it. The The last couple of people I wanted to single out, because apparently I'm going to single out everyone, it's so glad to see Bradley Whitford pop up. Uh, yeah. I, I was not expecting him, um, and especially in a year where Trophy Wife got canceled, it's like, well, you know, he was good on that, but he's he's also, at least he's got another gig, and he's really good on that one, too. Catherine Hahn, I feel like, usually gets um, shoved into this guy's girl kind of role, um mm-hmm. and so it was nice to see her as as the rabbi here. Um it just again being being wonderful. And then and Michaela Watkins um so uh so wonderful in such a small role, just basically that one episode, but really great to see her pop up. And then I feel like the last thing we should mention is that it's great to see this show employ some trans actors. Alexandra Billings is is one of the through lines of the series for, for Mora as Davina and she's absolutely great.
2: Uh yes, I mean this is a show where, and again, this is one of the great things about 2015 has been increased diversity. This is a show where uh, the show's creator was throwing around terms like gender like, like genderqueer uh, to describe uh, so, some of the philosophies behind the creation of the show. There are some radical ideas uh, kicking around that writer's room and, uh, and really progressive ideas kicking around that writer's room. And, and they show up in a very unforced way in the show itself. And, uh, you know, th- I, if there's one thing that defined all of the media that I adored in 2014, uh, it was the notion of empathy. And this show had, uh, oodles of it. It even has empathy for the characters who are kind of hateful.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, uh, yeah, for me, like you say, empathy and another big one for me is respect, respect for the audience, respect for the other characters. And, uh, yeah, is and again, it's a beautifully made show as well. Costuming, design, lighting, uh, whole nine yards. This is a fully Dude, conceived Dude, that world. opening theme. I love it. We're going to we're going to talk about that next week. Spoiler alert. Okay. Uh, but yeah, there's there's it, it, it's a wonderful season of television and I'm I like I said, I haven't been this glad to be wrong in about a year.
2: <laughs> yeah, the only thing that I don't like about the show is the fact that if this is uh if this is what Amazon Slate is gonna look like and they're releasing a whole bunch of new series next year. We're screwed. My my, my yeah, we're fucked, man.
1: <laughs> oh man, but uh but it'll be a fun way to to go out, just kill ourselves trying to watch everything, right? If they're yep. all this good. Uh now we'll take a break and we'll come back with our last two picks, each of our number ones. So we'll be right back after this.
0: When the night shows The signals grow on radios All the strange things They come and go As early warnings Stranded starfish Have no place to hide Still waiting There's no point in direction, we cannot even choose a side.
1: So we are down to our last two shows, which uh, I I find it so entertaining that we had the same two and the same three, but our our ones are not the same. My number one is your number four. Your number one is my number five. And we're going to start with that one. And that is The Americans. Such a wonderful season of television. And I've been so gratified. Unlike some of these other shows, I've been very gratified to see this one actually is showing up on all the year of end lists and that's uh because it deserves to be there cuz it's really good.
2: Yeah, it's my number 1. Uh I was talking before about the benefits of rewatching. I had the the pleasure of getting to watch this twice uh once by myself and once with my folks. And I have to say the rewatch especially really cemented uh the I'm always hesitant to call things flawless, on TV because there's always flaws and we're both pedantic as fuck <laughs> but uh this was as close to flawless construction as a season story gets uh there was almost no flab to speak of um there every every character gets something interesting to do uh every performance is uh is is a beautiful thing to watch even the kids uh, it's always even the kids because the kids are usually the, the the sore spot. the the way that the season explores, um, think you know, it continues its exploration its of ideas from season one and then expands those out, uh, in a way that makes sense for a season two, um, and also deserves tremendous points for being quite possibly the only show this year to feature a season long mystery that actually resolves in an a surprising and b sensible way. Uh, that C, uh, takes the existing stakes of the show and ups them, uh, that, that in and of itself assured it a top 10 placing, but I think it's, um, uh, it's once again the, the, this notion of radical empathy, the fact that, um, these ostensible, uh, villains are the heroes of this show, uh, the fact that the ostensible heroes, uh, the CIA, um, <laughs> let's just say that, uh you know, uh, the Americans picked an excellent time to feature CIA antagonists. Can I just say that?
1: (laughs) This was also one of the very few shows to improve this year. To go from a strong season one to a better season two.
2: Yeah, I mean, other shows rebounded uh, that have been around longer, but, and it's weird because traditionally uh, season twos are better. Um, And I feel like like, there are so many shows um, that maybe it's a maybe it's a testament to a better development process but i feel like the trend now is more shows are coming out fully formed and coming out of the gate with a great season 1 and then um, like sort of like a band who who's gotten the life their lifetime to work on their first album and then have a year to record the second uh, and they used up all their good ideas or most of their good ideas um, that seems to be what's happening with a lot of uh, new dramatic series didn't happen with the Americans. Uh, season two blows the first one out of the water, and we love the first one um, to the degree that I'm actually nervous about season three, which starts in just a couple of weeks. I if it pulled a if it pulled a Justified this year, I would be gutted, and they're not allowed to because they have Frank Langella. Um, I don't know. There's just there was there was literally nothing I can think about that I disliked this season, and it wasn't necessarily as revolutionary in form. Uh, as some other shows that were they were elsewhere on the top ten, but i think in just in terms of execution uh it had to be number one for uh for its sheer um just what what's the what's the perfect word i'm looking for um it's sheer unfuck with ability
1: <laughs> technical term yeah. No, I, I like that. Um, the reason I have it at number five and not at uh, number one, the element that the single element that probably took it back just a notch for me, is as great as the performances are and as well constructed as so much of the season is. There are a couple things that didn't quite work for me, and a, a big one at the end in the end game was the the um, the Stan and Nina resolution because I didn't believe for a moment that stan was going to betray the us for her and i don't know it and again maybe it would benefit from a rewatch with this but at the time when i was watching it it felt like i there was supposed to be some doubt and i never had a doubt from a level a character level but also from this is only season 2 this isn't going to happen this is a big turn if this is going to happen with stan it's not going to happen in season 2 Um, So that held it back. There are a couple little things like that that did hold it back a little bit for me. Um, And I guess I think a lot of those do tie in with that Nina character as great as uh, Annette Mahendru, I think, is in that role. I really like the blossoming of her relationship with Oleg, for example, over the course of the season. But Mm -hmm. I would have liked to have seen more agency and more sense of herself, her true self. We got so such little time with her by herself or with someone that she wasn't attempting to manipulate that it was hard for me to, to latch on to her and to get a strong sense of who she is as an individual, because so much of the time I couldn't trust what she was portraying because she was easily very much acting for the person she was in the room with. Um, so so those are the little details that for me held it back just a bit. But you're right, it is an absolutely fantastic season of television. And when I talk about moments, first of all, Lee Turgeson as the villain of the of the season really is holy
2: shit, yeah, so
1: great. So, oh man, he's, he's, he's absolutely credible and, uh, you say, (laughs) unfuckwithable threat. Absolutely. But gutting moments, the realization of their friend's son, and the way that ties back into such a powerful end of the, the first episode, it just... I, I cuz I saw this episode and I saw the climax of the mid-season climax of Fargo within like a day of each other and I was just mm-hmm. like destroyed. It's <laughs> like no. Yeah. This was
2: an incredible year for for shocking TV violence. Um and this season uh was was no exception. The uh I mean this show's uh bench is so ridiculously stacked. I mean all they did an incredible job making us care about what was happening at uh Everything happening at the Resident that stuff should not have worked. I mean, that it, it just shouldn't. I mean, we're, we're spending time with a bunch of uh, bureaucrats, essentially. Um, but the performances are so good. Uh, I want to single out Costa Ronan as Oleg, one of the best new characters of the year. you He just seems like such a shit when you first meet him. And he grows on you in the most organic way. And uh, his and, and Nina's scenes together were, were just fantastic. The fact that, I mean, I already praised Gene the Virgin, but I think actually uh, The Americans is probably the show that features the most subtitles uh, of, of anything this year. There are so many scenes that are strictly in Russian. Um, and uh, th- that stuff was amazing. Uh, I also wanted to mention um, Lev Gorn as Arkady, Arkady Ivanovich, yeah. and he's being bumped to regular next season, which, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Love that character so much, um, I mean, just it's so stocked with great performances. Um, I'm even just I'm just looking through the uh, through the list now. I mean, Ren Schmidt didn't get a huge run on the show as as Kate, but I think she got some really great stuff to do. Um, the I, I I love that that being. Uh, I love the, the sort of running element that being the Jennings' handler is the world's worst job, <laughs> and uh, I, I hope that continues. Uh, but, I mean, we're, we're sort of dancing around, um, you know, the show's main draw, which is uh, Matthew Reese and Carrie Russell. I mean, holy shit. Their dual performance is one of the most magical things on TV. Yeah,
1: they're fantastic together, and... They're great individually, but they're they're even better together and uh, watching their progression over the season, having them be a team this season, very much so uh, after the events of last season was uh, effective and gave them some of their best uh, material so far. And I am utterly fascinated to see what comes next, because if there's mm-hmm. anything that could tear that apart, it's what happens at the end of the season and the decision they are forced to make. Uh, so whether they are going to stay on the same page next year, I it could go either way. It could change yeah. throughout the entire course of the season. It could go back and forth. It is such a smart move, and I didn't see it coming even a little, and I felt like an idiot for not having done so. <laughs> of course. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I hope—I th- know that a few people had an issue with that twist, and they're dumb, I'm sorry, because that— that is such a. It may seem outlandish to some people, but I think it makes perfect sense for the show's universe. Uh, whether or not it makes perfect sense for our universe uh, is a matter for other discussion. But we're not talking about our universe. Um, and I, if anything, I I I worry for Holly for 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 young Holly Taylor, on whom so much will rest next season. Uh, but I'm sure she's going to step up to the plate and be great. Uh, for with with whatever happens, uh, but I don't know. There was so many, so many great moments this season, and so many different kinds of great moments. We got we got some incredibly uh, wrenching material between uh, Elizabeth and Philip. We got some uh, truly remarkable uh, sex scenes and moments of intimacy that revealed so much about character. We had remarkably tense standoffs. We had shocking violence. We had uh, surreal humor. I loved. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite moments of the year was Stan's uh, dream sequence, uh, which came completely out of, out of nowhere. It's the, the sort of thing the show's never done before or since, and crammed so many great ideas into maybe 90 seconds of screen time. Um, hell, uh, Susan Misner's few, few scenes, as uh, it seems like a few scenes, but actually a little more than that, as, as, as Stan's wife, should have been thankless and awful. But again, managing to cram some really great uh, human moments in there. God, who am I forgetting?
1: Um, How about some love for Lucia? Uh,
2: yep, the Lu- Lucia stuff was great. Allison Wright, can we talk about Allison Wright as Martha? Um,
1: uh, I, I just so much love for for her revealing that she knows that. Uh, uh, was it Craig? No, Clark. Where's a where's a hairpiece?
2: Yes, and I always. And she, have, doesn't she doesn't
1: care. She doesn't care. You know, like uh, it's so great just like those kinds um, of touches.
2: I believe I was reading an interview with uh Joe Weisberg where he was talking about um reading uh transcripts or uh, or hearing about um uh interviews that had, that had, that were done with people who had just found out that their spouses were spies or uh or had or or had discovered this sort of deception there was a wide range of reaction. Uh one woman apparently walked straight out a window.
0: <clears throat> wow.
2: Uh yeah, so uh, I'm hoping that's not what's going to happen to Martha, but th- the fact that they managed to uh, make that character so consistently uh, compelling to watch while we know this tragedy just is always dangling over her head like a giant pendulum, uh, that is, is is truly stunning.
1: I am right there with you with Martha. I think she's fabulous. Nelson Wright does such a great job with that character. Like you say, we should... Uh, that character shouldn't really work because we know she she's such a tragic figure. It should be very hard to get invested in her story. We should feel like every moment we spend with her, uh, is just uh, a waste of our time because we know exactly what's what's coming, and we we probably do. But the the writing and the performance from Wright does such a good job of making us care, anyways. That that it really fleshes out the world and, and gives us more perspective of some of the other things going on in the CIA that she's a real asset to the, to the season. I mentioned Lucia earlier. I just want to mention her again because the material that Amy Carrero got, um, and the, the Lucia and had with Elizabeth was some of my favorite of the season. Uh, the episode where she has to seduce the, the guy, uh, to, to help Elizabeth break into the, the office or whatever was very effective. And, uh, you know, the realization I like, I love the show that the show doesn't take a shortcut with that character. We think he's this jerk, but then we find out that, no, he's just, again, he's just another guy. This is a season that upped the innocent victim uh, quotient tremendously and still had us caring about the people killing these poor janitors and senator's sons, and uh, uh, that is not necessarily an easy thing to do.
2: No, and the last thing I wanted to mention in in praise of my number one show of the year is that. Uh, I think The Americans did more than any other show to explore uh, the nature of deception and uh, the seductive nature of, of lies. And, uh, and also to, to explore lies on so many different levels, from uh, lies we tell ourselves, lies we tell our spouses, uh, lies that serve as the basis for our jobs... Lies that our government tell tell us and lies that our security services tell us uh lies that uh form the 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 foundation of some entire relationships and uh and also lies that uh don't matter because they uh they serve to illuminate greater truths and uh, those are the ones that uh that resonate all throughout the series
1: I think those are excellent points and really very much are the 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 core of of this season and this a lot of the series the last thing i'll say is um just on a technical level the costuming the lighting the direction the editing the scoring the soundtrack every element of the production of the americans uh, is fantastic and is extremely effective in creating a, a distinct visual and oral world for this show and uh it's one of the most rela- like every week on the podcast i take a song uh featured in one of the episodes and use it to lead into each segment of the show and when the americans is on i know that i will have good songs to choose from so i'm feeling we may be talking about certain of these elements next week on the podcast but i just wanted to give a shout out to you know we've, we've praised the writing we've praised the, the acting let's get some love in there for the the rest of the production elements as well I mean,
2: this is a show that gets Pete Townsend to write a new original song knowing full well that he's going to produce something that sounds appropriate for the era in every way, even though it's new and original, and also happens to serve the themes of the show and works really beautifully in that montage that it accompanies. That is a stroke of genius on multiple levels.
1: Yeah. The Americans is truly, like I said about uh, some of these other shows... And that that's another theme for my list. This is truly human storytelling uh and I had a fantastic year and I can't wait for season three uh, another show one another of the very rare shows for me that had a better season two than season one or just a better twenty fourteen than twenty thirteen is Hannibal, which will surprise almost no one as being my number one. It's your number four. It was by a hundred points our runaway number one on our site wide poll uh like the number 2 and 3 were 1 point apart the number 3 and 4 were like 4 points apart like it was a really tight pull for most of it but it was, at least at Sound and Sight, we're all pretty much on the same page. Um, I know some of your criticisms for the season, and we'll get there, but I'm just going to start with Lovefest. So obviously, I have a weekly Hannibal podcast that I do when the show is on the air over the summer. We uh, went back and watched season one, and hopefully, by the time you're hearing this, the our podcast for the last episode of season one is out. So I've talked for untold hours about this show, but... When I come back to this year of television, like I said, so much of this year, uh, when I'm ranking, has come down to moments. And for me, the season two finale, Mizumono, is the best hour of television since Ozymandias. It absolutely gutted me, emotionally. Uh, I mean, it, it's...
2: <laughs> gutted you.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but... It's not the production value, it's not the scoring, which anybody who listens to This Is Our Design knows that I love. It's not the costuming, or the cinematography, or the gorgeous visuals. It is the openness, and the, just the heart-wrenching intimacy of a moment like Hannibal telling Will, you didn't want, I let you see me, and you didn't want me. Uh, it, it's just such a just, I don't have words for it. it's such an amazing moment of of television and uh of storytelling and the way that the entire season builds to that is just an a stunning achievement. Uh, I think it's a fantastic arc uh arcing year of television upon uh rewatching season one and rewatching some of season two my my problems with some of the writing, especially for Alana, uh, were severely mitigated. They bothered me much less. I, it, for me, it was a much more natural progression once I had revisited the other material in the series. So that didn't bother me as much. We got some new, fascinating characters. We got some really fun guest stars. Um, but for me, it all comes down to that culminating moment in the finale. Uh, there was nothing else was really even seriously in contention for me. Hann- Hannibal was not even on your top ten last year. This year, it's number four. What uh, what what changed this year to put it on the list for you?
2: Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I think that uh, Hannibal is the one that I wish I'd had time to rewatch. Uh, I I only got to watch it really once, uh, and I can't say that I it, it overwhelmed me emotionally the way that it did you. I think for me it 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 would have been fraudulent to not have it in my top ten, just on the basis of aesthetics purely if nothing else i mean uh what brian fuller and his uh team of directors and cinematographers um and uh brian reitzel on on handling the music what they've done what they've accomplished with the show is just unbelievable um even if the show featured no dialogue and had no scripts um, <laughs> you if if they just if, if they were just filming interiors and bodies uh for an hour a week uh it, it would it would merit placement here it's um th- just what they what they've been able to do you know in terms of taking such a familiar set of characters such a familiar world and uh turning it inside out and turning it into this uh, impressionistic fever dream of uh gore and uh and and in- interiors and smoke and uh and color and uh and other other wispy things uh just is is unbelievable and i'm not describing it very well because it's so unbelievable and the fact that this is happening on a net on on nbc and continues to be a thing that exists is the greatest miracle of television on 2014 of of 2014 uh by a long shot and the fact that we're getting a third season is ridiculous
1: I cannot wait for season three uh, at all. It's gonna be it's gonna be fabulous. I've stayed away from all the trailers. I've stayed away from all the set photos and everything. So I don't. Uh, I've had a couple people mention things to me on Twitter. Uh, if you're listening, guys, please stop mentioning things to me on Twitter. I'm trying to know nothing going into this uh, next season. Uh, I share your passion, but I'm trying to not hype myself. But I mean, this season not only focused in in a new and fascinating and disturbing way on will and hannibal it also i mean we all know the hannibal Lecter story in theory this season surprised some the end of the last season i should say by flipping it and getting having will uh be imprisoned uh, i wasn't surprised by that what i was surprised by is how well how much they managed to mine from that material with him your main character basically because for me uh in season one will was the main character is locked up in a cell. How do you make that compelling television for five or six episodes? And they managed to do it by uh this season gave us uh the really fun progression of Chilton. Uh it got, got to be more hilarious than he's ever been and more tragic than he's ever been. It gave us recurring uh the returns of uh Eddie Izzard as as uh, Abel Gideon, who was just a blast in his couple of episodes, it gave us more Jillian Anderson, so wonderfully steely and cool as Dr. Maurier It gave us one of the best fight scenes this year. We're going to talk more about that next week. In mm-hmm. the opening, like, it's very rare that a season opens with a flash forward, and the, the, the viewers and the show don't come to regret that. But it absolutely worked this season. We got, uh, it's just, and I know some people didn't like this performance, but for me, it was a delight. Michael Pitt was so fun. So ridiculously. Didn't like over the- Michael Pitt. Some people didn't like Michael Pitt, but he was great. Catherine Isabel. Also great. There was so much to love in this season. Like I forget that this was this year. Cause it was so long ago. And the, the two halves of the season are so distinct that the first half feels like it must've been season one, even though it, it really wasn't. But, Again for me, all of that comes back to the intimacy of this of this relationship. And the no show affects me more. And again, we'll talk about a couple I want to go into some scoring things, but we're gonna talk about that next week with mm-hmm. musical moments. Uh but there are some just viscerally uh I mean this is this is a show for me. This is a show mm-hmm. where one of its main characters sits down on the harpsichord. Uh, to to compose something and i just like get supreme wiggins because they use a bunch of tritones like this is a show (laughs) that is so in my wheelhouse it's ridiculous uh so so obviously i'm a bit biased here maybe but i don't care it's my list i can put whatever i want wherever i want and uh again the 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 depths that this season explored with will how far are you willing to go we've seen show after show be about uh crime procedurals crime serials uh and a character has to touch the touch the edge of darkness in order to catch the bad guys that kind of a thing Mm -hmm. those are jokes compared to the the trauma we see our character our, our lead character one of our lead characters go through and the the level of humanization of a monster like Hannibal Lecter
2: uh, is it humanization? Uh, I guess that's that's uh, an argument for another time. I mean, the I think the the smartest thing that Brian Fuller did with Hannibal was he made Hannibal inhuman. I think he, I mean, by a really superhuman. I guess we should say he he transcends human. He is somewhat part of humanity, but he also transcends it. He is uh, more or less Lucifer uh, incarnate. He has human entanglements, but they're Uh, they seem to be somewhat ephemeral.
1: But then when we get that moment in the finale where you see just how much Will has hurt him, that is completely relatable. You're not going to convince me that people have not felt that. Obviously not when they're... They're friends. But uh, that sense of rejection or that of loss of you thought that you could trust this person. And the fact that the, the show makes you relate to and understand and feel for Hannibal in just that moment. Obviously, he's a monster. Obviously, you know, like they say on the show, he's smoke. How do you catch the devil? But in that moment, he's the most relatable figure in the world. That's mm-hmm. That's an astonishing achievement.
2: Um. Yes, I th- I think that the, the if there's something that keeps it off my number one spot, and again, maybe uh maybe a rewatch would have fixed this. The trial episode. <laughs> well, the trial episode really isn't good. I'm sorry, but um the I I I think it's the level of uh dour self seriousness that can take over the show for a while, even in that finale, which I did rewatch those scenes of uh of hannibal and will and they're clipped and they're clipped back and forth uh as as much as it's uh, beautiful and lyrical with the with the tiktok score um there is a level of come on guys like let's lighten this up just just a teensy bit and i do feel that throughout throughout the i mean through the, through the, the show's whole run it's been it's been an issue for me and i i miss sort of there is definitely there's a lot of knowing humor on the show, uh, but I wish there was more. I wish there was a comparable amount to Brian Fuller's other series. And maybe it wouldn't work. Maybe I'm 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 asking for things that that don't jive with the show's universe. But um, I think just a little bit more uh, of that sort of maybe not winking, but just a, just something to alleviate the oppressive portentousness of everything a little bit more often for me would go a long way.
1: Yeah, and for me I uh I don't disagree that the humor you need humor in a show like this. I see their being a lot of people, especially again, like I said, this season we got a lot more Chilton in certain parts of the season, and that made a big difference. He got a lot of great humor, especially mm-hmm. once he's in on what's going on, once he's aware, once he's in danger. I think we get a lot more humor there. Yeah, um, Rolla
2: Sparza kills it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, there's some really fun bits of humor uh, from. Usually, we get the 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 lab techs get more of the humor, but of course, in episode five, we have a unfortunate you know development that means they're a lot less jokey over in the lab department. Um, but I, I, the the humor comes from such a dark place a lot of the times. And uh, just like these asides, like, I laugh out loud at things Hannibal says all the time. Uh, but as it grows more and more intense, this is, a, you know, there's more jokes, I think, in the season, more humor than in the first season. But by the end of the season, when we've got Will, I mean, talk about moments, the half- Jack face half Mm -hmm. Hannibal face and you just you don't know truly you you know but you don't really know what Will's gonna do and how much more his psyche can take uh there's there's not very much space for humor so I can absolutely see how that is a uh makes the show less engaging for you Simon Mm -hmm. and it's certainly not a flavor for everyone yeah which I
2: again like it's 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 personal preference I'm not necessarily criticizing the show I mean brian fuller is clearly a genius like more than anyone else working in the medium right now uh other people have been able to to contrive uh, ingenious scenarios other people have uh have perhaps um come up with more ingenious twists but here's a guy who's able to take the worst ideas <laughs> the <laughs> the dumbest revivals the uh the most haggard franchises and turn them into something new and beautiful um uh, there is nothing i want more than more brian fullers i want him cloned i want him in charge of everything not not everything but like uh every time i hear about him trying to get something off the ground that doesn't go i'm just like come on have you seen his things (laughs) have you seen what this guy can do the notion that he tried to get a new star trek series off the ground Multiple times through Bad Robot, and they were like, "Nah, like, are you fucking kidding me?" Have a you, Brian Fuller have Star you Trek met series? Brian
1: Fuller, come on!
2: A, a Fuller Trek series would blow everyone's fucking mind.
1: Yeah, it would be. I would love to see what he did with the the with the world of aliens. Like, invent your own aliens. I would love to see what Brian Fuller would come up with for that. Yeah, um, specifically with this season of Hannibal, the way that it expands out the world while also narrowing it, I think is uh, another stellar achievement. I I liked, uh, we've been talking a lot about Jonathan Tucker with Kingdom. I think he's really uh, surprisingly effective in just a few episodes in this season. Uh, Jeremy Davies. There's some other guest stars that do a really good job, but also again, the way that it balances extremes, uh, is very effective not to mention the camera work like you said this is a beautiful show that this is a show on nbc again that had a five-way with a demon wendigo <laughs> that is a thing that happened yep
2: yeah uh definitely one of the most memorable uh sex scenes in tv history
1: yeah and in in the and it feels organic feels like a natural of course have you seen the show of course uh <laughs> we talked about sync face when Dad Van Dwarf came on hannibal the, the this is our design podcast i mean the the show's recurring use of symbolism and and imagery is very effective i I'm just gonna stop here because I could go all day I love this show I think it's doing something utterly unique like we said so many of these shows on our top tens are, and uh I cannot wait. To see what comes next.
2: Yeah. And also, it makes you really, really hungry.
1: <laughs> Don't tell me you wouldn't eat some of that. Oh, man. Uh, you just wouldn't <laughs> ask. You'd just be like, it, like you wouldn't. Oh, uh, ne- this is, nope,
2: nope. That's good. I'll just eat it.
1: Yeah, like, you wouldn't necessarily go over to his house for dinner, but if he pulled a Dr. Desmouriez and showed up at your house, first of all, you're not going to say no. That would be rude. <laughs> Second of all, you're like, well, I'm stuck in this situation. My compliments to the chef. <laughs>
0: We the sun of the rain.
1: Like we said, it's been a very full year of television, so we wanted to spend a few minutes here going over our our whole top 20s, not just our top 10. So uh, to recap our, our top ten. Simon, what is your number 10?
2: Uh, the Leftovers.
1: My number 10 is You're the Worst. What's your 9?
2: Louie.
1: Rectify. Number 8?
2: You're the Worst.
1: Last Week Tonight. Number 7? Adventure Time. Jane the Virgin. Number 6?
2: Girls.
1: Adventure Time. Number 5?
2: The Good Wife,
1: The Americans, number 4, Hannibal. The Good Wife, number 3,
2: Mad Men. Men,
1: number 2, Transparent. Transparent, and number 1,
2: The Americans.
1: And Hannibal. Uh great year for TV. But now let's take expand out just a little bit and go through our top 20. What do you what do you think? 20 to 11, 11 to 20. How do you want to do this?
2: I'll uh, I'll run through my 20 to 11 and uh, I guess if it's also on yours, we'll We'll crosstalk and then we'll go through yours. And I don't know. How do you want to do this?
1: Uh, Let's let's go uh, go through your 20 through 11. And if it's on my list, then I'll I'll say we'll get to it. Whoever has it higher. We'll talk about it there.
2: Okay, Uh, my number 20 is Game of Thrones.
1: I have a little higher.
2: All right. Uh, My number 19 is Rectify, which was on your top 10. Uh, My number 18 was Broad City.
1: I have a little higher.
2: (laughs) All right. My number 17 is Fargo.
1: Okay, I have it lower. So, Fargo, what puts it on your list?
2: Uh, Everything that everyone liked about it, for the most part, uh, is worth uh, mentioning. This is another example of a show that should not have worked, a la Hannibal, and I think was able to do some really fascinating stuff. More than anything else, I think it did a really great job in world building and atmosphere building. Uh, The specifics of the plot of the season and and some of the character uh, choices... We're not consistently compelling all the way through, but uh, if you're talking about 2014 as 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 a year of TV moments, Fargo had a lot of great ones. Uh, incredible score, great cinematography, um, really great cast across the board for the most part. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, just one of the few shows to to really uh, to really have. Um, uh, an almost uh, Keodian level of ambition that hit that hit about let's say 85% of its marks, which was more than enough for it to land on my top 20.
1: There was a lot to like about Fargo for me, it did not last in my memory the way it seems to have for a lot of people, which I again I think is odd because I was a big proponent of the show when it was on the air and I felt like there weren't any others of us, but again, memory can be tricky, so who knows. Uh, one of the things I really appreciated about Fargo is that it was one of the first shows of the year to really embrace the middle class and, uh, that, that underrepresented group of, uh, Americans or, or people that, uh, in television, you know, that work for a living and, uh, live in manageable size houses and have, you know, real issues, um, you know, like like having Gus live in a small apartment with his daughter, and and you know the just it felt. This is a show centered around the the flyover states in a way that the film is as well, and uh, that you know we don't tend to get stories about just normal, decent, good people trying their best. That's one of the things I loved about Jane the Virgin, and it's one of the things that I really appreciated about Fargo. And of course, what Fargo does is then put that in stark contrast with just evil personified in Billy Bob Thornton and then the way that that evil is able to spread in such a mundane way to uh, Martin Freeman's character as well. So this this is a show exploring a lot of uh, ideas, uh, for the most part doing it very well. I liked the finale uh, more than a lot of people did, at least as I recall. I liked the way that it did not feel the need to go the typical route and have our, hero- our heroine take down the evil bad man. Um, the you know the our personification of evil uh, and again like you said this is a show that looked gorgeous and sounded wonderful and uh, had really great um, design throughout so this combination of elements and and you know discovering and Tolman and getting to see like Bob Odenkirk in a, in a fun role and some of these other characters you know Keen Peel when they show up are just so much fun I, I had a lot of fun with Fargo even if it didn't necessarily stay. Uh, in maintain as as strong a place in my uh in my in my heart as some of these other shows did this year.
2: Uh all right. My number sixteen is Jane the Virgin, which we already talked about. Uh my number fifteen is Orange is the new black.
1: Yep, that's on mine, but I have it a little lower. So uh what was uh what what did you think about the season and how would you compare it to season one?
2: Uh I would say it was almost exactly on par with season one and maybe that's just me. It felt different from season one, but I think in terms of quality, uh I would say it had the, the typical discrepancy between consistency versus higher highs, lower lows. Uh, that was this season for me. It wasn't quite as consistent as season one, uh, but I think its its highs were really tremendous. I think especially in the first half of the season, when we get um, when we start things off with uh, with a Piper centric episode, uh, which really uh, disorients us, but but it also neatly sets up the fact that. that after that, this, we're really going to focus on the ensemble. That was such a smart move. Um, I had some issues with uh, the way the the season wrapped up. That seemingly no one else did, but I mean, this is still uh, one of the warmest, most humane, funniest, uh, most refreshing shows uh, around. And I, I it, it, completely. It, it's not that it, it, you know. It's probably it. It was probably top ten last year. I don't remember. Uh, The fact that it's lower this year just means there's more good shit kicking around.
1: Yeah, it was a really strong season of Orange is the New Black. The reason it's so low on my list, it's my number 19, is that I didn't feel the same compulsion to watch right away. It took me, like, this was a, a meal I kept going back for another bite of over the course of the year, whereas with the first season I had to keep watching. I was in line for Comic-Con, ignoring everyone around me, ignoring the con, sitting in a, in a, in a corner watching Orange is the New Black, because I needed to see what happened next. This season uh, didn't have that that same energy, but it did have plenty of strengths. Um, like you said, they focus on the ensemble in a really great way. I loved spending so much more time with Poussey and and getting to to know, uh, you know, like that's really exploring that relationship with her and tasty was great i loved what we got with red um i I really liked v as a season-long villain and i was very grateful she is a season-long villain uh i loved that end of the season moment that you were less interested in uh and yeah that you know because we got last time with piper the time we did get i think i valued more i really liked the episode uh that she, uh, where she goes on furlough and we see her family a bit more uh the other thing that kind of lowers it on my list is just the stuff with her uh fiance and and best friend that was way less interesting to me. I did basically could have had most of that cut and been just completely fine. Um so there there are a few elements that were less successful for me, but on the whole I did enjoy it and uh, I was man, I I am more concerned for Natasha Leon's character than almost anybody else in television when she is staring at that, that heroine at the mm-hmm. end of the season. Because you know what's coming. It has to, or else they wouldn't have had her. made such a big deal of when she turned over the packet earlier in the season. So uh, I'm not looking forward to that part of season three as much as I am looking forward to The Return of Orange is the New Black. Ginger Cohen's doing some tremendous work with the series, and it's on my top 20.
2: Yep, and that is that is no small thing uh next up is my number 14 over the garden wall
1: which is my number 11 it's a little higher for me so we'll come all right. back to it
2: uh my number 13 i don't think is on your top 20 and that's all of
1: no it's not uh
2: which i think uh suffered from timing uh just because we <laughs> i think we were so emotionally burnt out by the end of the year that we weren't ready for all of by the time it it it, it, it came up at the end of the year and uh it, it was another one that i wish i'd had time to watch again i feel like it could have been even higher but i really have no complaints uh about this uh miniseries slash long film if you'd like to put it that way i think it was way more successful for me than hbo's last sort of prestige uh miniseries of this sort which was uh mildred pierce despite that being directed by the great todd haynes uh this was uh, <laughs> if you want to talk about a celebration of regular folk uh they don't come much more regular than the characters of olive Kittridge. uh francis mcdormand is stunning in this just uh, just an absolute steamroller um john gallagher junior made me not think about the newsroom for 5 minutes while he, while he was on screen so congratulations to him perhaps he does have a future after all um i mean uh i i i won't go on about it at, at length but um there were uh I, I watched it in in over the course of a day which i think is is uh how it how it should be watched if at all possible and uh just so many uh sharply and beautifully observed moments uh richard jenkins just breaks your heart as as he is one to do uh on just about everything he's on uh again i i wish i'd i'd had a chance to rewatch it and, and really uh let everything sink in again but i i i think it's uh, the fact that HBO is willing to make stuff like this that is so, uh, besides the personnel involved, completely anti-commercial, uh, I think, and so unsexy on its face uh, is a really great sign.
1: I don't disagree with anything you said. It didn't crack my top 20. Um, I Because I think I more appreciated it than connected with it emotionally. But we're going to mention it a few times next week. So I think uh I'll I'll probably leave it there. But yeah, I I agree with everything you said and it tremendous performance from uh Francis McDormand and uh uh and really all of the cast and I'm very glad that, like you say, that HBO is making this kind of show.
2: Right. Uh my number twelve is Last Week Tonight, already mentioned. My number eleven is uh necessarily at least as high for me as it is for you, and that's review with Forrest McNeil, Comedy yeah. Central.
1: I have it as number twelve. Let's let's dive in.
2: Yeah, very, very close. Uh, This came not quite out of nowhere. I had been hearing about it for a little while before it aired. But uh, if you want to talk about series that um, really were able to use a season-long structure uh, to its advantage, I think that this has to be in the conversation. Uh, The review is fascinating in terms of the more I think about the way uh, episodes are structured and the season is structured, uh, it's completely unique in that in theory, sort of like early Louis, every episode has two or three individual segments or reviews that work as discrete segments, but then it also has uh, usually an episode-long idea that uh, Forrest is engaging with, and also that episode tends to work uh, in terms of servicing his season-long development. So you've got every episode working on three levels simultaneously equally well, and that's really remarkable for a what's basically for the most part a really silly juvenile series.
1: Yeah, it it's it's interested in not just the larger arcing story, which I think it would be easy to tell that story to to focus in on that, but it's just as interested in having each of these discrete chunks, these reviews be successful as well. And uh and that the ability to balance those is what makes this season so successful as far as I'm concerned we get great payoffs at the end of the year like you say it's a very well-constructed season uh well arced season of television but then we also just get fun little moments uh we get Tom Lennon having an orgy and we get Fred (laughs) Willard going to space and we get you know trying to not be racist and and make a black friend I and and yes they all come together by the end of the season but you can easily just take one of those chunks put it up uh and send it to a friend and just show them like that 10 minutes that you know 12 minutes uh of of the episode and get them on board with the entire show
2: uh yeah and
1: and just little
2: things that that built up in in a like for for a series that you know features all sorts of you know sex gags and and like puerile humor of like the lowest uh, of, of the lowest nature, you have these subtle ideas and subtle jokes that developed over the course uh, of the season character based ideas. like everything with AJ Gibbs uh, played by Megan Stevenson uh just the way over you know she she just seems so like perky and blank at the start of the show and then they gradually build in these <laughs> these these background details and other ideas and when she takes over at the end of the show, it makes perfect sense and it's such a great payoff.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the supporting cast is great. James Urbaniak is great as the producer. Um, the oh, Jessica St. Clair maybe yeah. is the wife, and she's so much fun. She's great on playing house too. Uh, and but really, I mean, this all comes down to Andy Daly, like we said with Gina Rodriguez and uh, Jane the Virgin. This is all a very careful balancing act that requires the right lead to make. Any of it work. And Andy Daly is fantastic in that central role.
2: Yeah. And it's not its not something we know enough about to really get into with every show. But knowing a little bit about the way review was made. The fact that it had such a meager budget. The fact that uh, it, it... I mean, Jessica St. Clair's scenes, as I understand it, were shot in six days. Because that was her availability. <laughs> like, <Yep>. damn.
1: <laughs> Making it work.
2: <laughs> Making it work. I mean... Uh, this, the fact that it's coming back next year is amazing. Uh, but yeah, this was kind of a, a miraculous little series and so, so, so funny. Just killer funny. Like, mm-hmm. I can't. And also, like, not just, um, it seems like cringe humor on its face, but it's up to a lot more than just cringe humor. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with really wonderfully executed cringe humor. I mean, Nathan for you is just outside my top 20 for a reason. But, uh, yeah, Comedy Central had a great year and I think, um, this and broad city were sort of the, the gemstones of that.
1: Definitely. Um, well, my 20 number 20 is Fargo. Uh, and I'll an mention to true detective. I felt like I should at least mention it, uh, though. It's not, a, it, it's not really in my top 20 here. Uh, I also was these close to giving the number 20 spot to a reality trifecta of amazing race. Uh, so you think you Nance actually, Quartet of Top Chef and Hollywood Game Night Because there are a few shows that I was more Happy to just come home and watch Than those four Um, So those are my honorable mentions I guess Number 19, Orange is the New Black, we've already talked about Uh, Number 18 is Playing House Which isn't on your top 20 But is a show that I was so glad to catch up with um, And is one that Maybe I shouldn't have it above Orange is the New Black But it was such a surprise for me I was so glad to see this show about two female best friends who, uh, it's just, it's like, again, as a recurring theme for my list, it's like no other show on television. It's two friends in their 30s, I think, mid-30s, uh, trying to do their best. Uh, the one is is pregnant and getting divorced. The other quits her job to support her friend. And uh, it's just a really lovely comedy about, about a friendship. Uh, and I would love to see more shows like that. on on TV. And there's another one that we're going to get to a little higher on my list. Number 17 for me is Game of Thrones, which you also had on your list. There was just, I mean, again, talk about moments, so many moments in this season of Game of Thrones. It's easy for me to forget this one with recency bias, but I, I I knew I needed to make some space in my top 20, if only for the series of really effective character conversations that we got in this season of game of thrones why why did it crack your top 20
2: uh i'm not sure if it was the best season of game of thrones but i think it it definitely had a lot of its highest highs and you know it had a couple of niggling issues as well obviously but um i think that benioff and weiss uh have made a lot of really smart decisions about uh about pacing about what to take on uh in terms of of the source material which i haven't read but from what I understand, um, you know they've they've gone they've gone full steam ahead with things that people may not have necessarily expected, and uh, I think it's mostly paid off. I think they're facing some very interesting challenges uh, over the next couple of years. Um, I really, really hope they stick to their game plan in terms of number of seasons and uh, and, and series length. Uh, I mean, there's nothing. Again, these are all singular series. There's nothing in the history of television quite like Game of Thrones in terms of scope and ambition, and uh, and the fact that it hits uh, that it hits its mark so often, and is able to craft um, such uh, such an indelible portrait of such a wooly sort of unwieldy universe uh, is is really incredible.
1: Yeah, it. This is epic storytelling. And it does it through character, uh, through small scale character drama. And the, the combination of those two is very, uh, successful as far as I'm concerned. And I mean, the reason that we care about, uh, the, the Viper and the mountain fighting is because we really care about Tyrion. And because we just saw his awesome trial scene the week before, uh, And the reason we care about that is because we really care about Tyrion and Shay, And when that falls apart, it's gutting. So the, the way that the show has managed to take what could be a very, um, stuffy sort of political, you know, royal, royal drama and, and add these fantastical elements while never losing the intrigue and, uh, emotional basis of these relationships, uh, it just it they've done a fantastic job with the series, despite all of the many problems we may have with it. Particularly the season, particularly with some with some tone deaf scenes, and just I don't know how they didn't know what they were making, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> as a whole, this the season is an excellent season of television and um, one of the best for a very solid show. Yep um my number uh 16 is broad city and when i talked about uh playing house being a show that centers on a female friendship and how we need more of those the other one that came to mind for me of course was broad city uh what and again this is another one i have to thank you for getting me to watch cuz it you know i wasn't on board in the first few episodes it took a while for me to get there uh, but i'm so glad that i spent time with with these uh with with abby and alana what puts it on your top 20
2: uh i mean You would think that we didn't need another series about uh, young people in New York being young people in New York. But I think what Broad City was able to do very quickly was establish its voice as being completely distinct from what seemed like its most natural relative, which was girls. Broad City is absolutely nothing like girls, which is, um, you know, know, despite being a show about girls in New York, uh, that's literally all they have in common. Uh, these these characters are not hip. They're not uh, they're they are in no sense uh cool nor, and they may be trying to be, but uh, this is really a show about dorks and losers, <laughs> and uh, but lo- you know, lovable dorks, lovable losers. Even though uh, as with many other characters we've discussed this year, they're they're deeply flawed, deeply deeply flawed humans, um, but they they get such a kick out of each other and uh, and their co- apparently constantly shared company, that it becomes infectious. And it, it manages to wallpaper over some of the weaker stuff, especially in those early episodes. I would say when it really kicks off into that higher gear is when we get that trip to North Brother Island in, I want to say, the second or third episode, and that's when you realize uh, the show's up to more than just the sort of casual, uh, sort of conversational uh, comedy set pieces, and it's willing to go more surreal it's willing to go weirder for longer periods of time and reap and take bigger chances uh to reap bigger dividends and i think that just that develops over the course of the season and by the end of the by the time you've gotten through the whole thing you can't not just be in love with these characters
1: the the episode that really crystallized it for me as i recall is the the one where they're they're trying to get to like a reunion or a concert i can't remember exactly what the instigation instigating element is or or, um why they need to get to the bus station or whatever it is, but that watching them together, uh, that group was so effective. And, and the, the friend who the old friend versus the new friend, you know, and all of that really exploring the the dynamics there. And that was also, um, I always enjoyed Hannibal, Hannibal Buress, uh, but, but that just took it to the next level for me with that character. I think his inclusion was so important for getting us to like Alana, Yes?
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) Uh, Because that character brings out the best in her and makes her so much more grounded and and likable. Uh, And then, like you said, by the time you get to the end of the season, it's got one of the best season finales this year. And uh, just the set piece of it, the dialogue, the performance, the the throwaway gags with Amy Poehler in the kitchen. I mean, this is a really strong, really satisfying season finale. And uh, a comic voice... I'm very glad to have on my TV. We're going to talk a bit more about it next week. I keep yeah. saying that we're going to talk yes. about a lot of shows next week, guys. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it, great season.
2: I would just add to that that both actresses are tremendous physical comics, which is something that, like you know, we've we've got a lot of of, of comedy series that are great for you know patter or uh, or you know witty dialogue dreamt up in right in, in in really funny writers' rooms, and that's all great or you know great improvisers or whatever but uh these are these uh these actors are both willing to go to ridiculous physical extremes for if, for the sake of even a tiny laugh and that's a huge boon to a show like this
1: Yeah it was a uh, yeah they're both very game actresses uh
2: <laughs> Yep and it's it's not necessarily one of the best episodes, but they sure went for it.
1: They go for it, and it's I remember it fondly. We'll see how well it lives up to uh, lives up to rewatch uh, when I get around to it. But it was a very strong season, freshman season for Broad City. My number fifteen is Louis, which we've already talked about. Talked about. My number fourteen is one that's not on your list, and I don't understand why, because it was hilarious. Uh, my number thirteen is Girls, we've already talked about. My number twelve is Review, we've already talked about it. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, well, never, mind, never mind, I'll delete that. I don't understand why it's not on your list, and that's Veep because it was hilarious this year. Uh yeah, Veep was just outside my top twenty.
2: It was like it was a grand year. Uh it it didn't stick out in my memory for some reason. Uh, maybe it's because it was just before I went off to the woods. I don't know, but um, I I I very much enjoyed watching it, but it didn't stick with me for some reason uh we'll see how it i mean i've I've heard about some of the casting news for next season, and it's ridiculous uh la 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 uh in the best way but um I don't know i it just i i it didn't it wasn't kicking around in my brain by the end of the year, which is really too bad because they've got an incredible ensemble, and uh they are doing the Lord's work in terms of being almost as cynical about politics as the rest of us are.
1: You know, I I just love so much of this season when they, uh, it, it was strength after strength for me having the show, having her run for uh the nomination, really it, it forced them to make political choices for her and to make political statements on her behalf, and I think that uh, specificity only helped the show. We got her her episode about um, uh with it's called a. El- excuse me, featuring uh, Tracy Toms, where she's got a, you know, she's childcare becomes her number one issue. Um, and then we watch from an outsider's perspective as that just gets ground and ground down. Abortion rights come up uh, very memorably. We have her uh, going to Silicon Valley to a to a Google stand in that is hilarious. Uh, we have uh, we have the debate, which was absolutely fabulous i loved her trip to the uk and the 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 pub and, you know everything that went down with that chris maloney as her trainer slash love interest uh who's racist we find out i think it was racist uh is fabulous tony hale i mean the the, the when she, the culminating sequence of the season with the nosebleed in the bathroom just uh, uh, just laughing out loud funny. So good. And granted, I also reviewed this week to week at the AV Club, so that's probably why it's more fresh in my memory than it is in y- yours, because I wrote about a thousand words about it every week. But I really was impressed with um, the entire ensemble. Uh, we had Mike get married, and we had uh, Reed Scott's character just had his complete mental break. Anna Chomsky, you know, had her ascension into the role. Everybody really had something to do this season. Timothy and Simons. It- Oh, so good. So good. His his website was ridiculous. Uh yeah, it was it was a very fun and uh definitely the strongest yet season for Veep. So that's why it is my number fourteen. All right. Uh number thirteen is girls, we've already talked about it. Number twelve is review, we've already talked about it. So the last one we're gonna talk about here is Over the Garden Wall, uh, which is my number eleven and your number what, twelve or thirteen? Uh it's my number uh fourteen. And it's one that we already have done a DVD shelf about, so I think we can keep this pretty pretty quick. But just a beautiful couple hours of television. I uh, love the animation, love the storytelling, love the craft of the season, love the combination of humor and heart and, you know, crushing uh, sadness at certain points. It's It's a bunch of, again theoretically strong flavors mixed together with very deliberate care in a way that captured um captured fairy tale and captured childhood storytelling while also uh adding in the nostalgia and uh perspective of the adult viewer so just everything combined to make over the garden wall one of my favorite experiences uh, on tv this year
2: i just i at the risk of Going on too long, I'll just concur with that. And also one of the best original soundtracks in recent memory. So
1: good. Again, we'll be talking a little bit about that next week. Uh, but enough with all the teases. We've been going on for almost two hours, 40 minutes here. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll cut it off there. And uh, thank you all for listening to our top 20 of the year. I would look forward to hearing what everybody else says are their their top picks and what shows were absolutely insane for having left off. I'm sure we'll get a few of those. No, definitely. um, You can always find us at org, where there's a post for this podcast up. You can like us on Facebook to follow the goings-on at say TV. You can send us an email, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes where we have an M4A chapter feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're both on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse and Simon, you are.
2: At Sucker Howl
1: and uh, no question for the week. Just let us know what your top ten or top twenty shows are for this year. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you guys. But but that's gonna wrap it up for now. And next week we'll have our our best of year blowout. Um, so that'll be our another...
2: annual smorgasbordy.
1: Oh my god, smorgasbordy is the right term. It's gonna be so long, guys. It's gonna be so long. <laughs> but it's gonna be fun too. So that's coming next week. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.